Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. Plenty of stuff to get to throughout the course of the show as we will get into the Eagles head coaching search, which it seems like they are narrowing in on their candidate in Josh McDaniels. We talked a little bit about Josh McDaniels last night. We'll get more into it uh, throughout the course of the show um, this morning. I just think it would be a disastrous hire. I really do. I I look at Josh McDaniels, and there are a ton of red flags. And if this is Jeffrey Lurie's grand plan here, in terms of resurrecting Carson Wentz or fixing Carson Wentz, I think this could be the absolute worst person to do it. Like, uh, first of all, I don't think, um, as you know, I don't think that's the right way to be going about this offseason. Hiring based on what's best for Carson, not what's best for the football team. But even if that is your mindset, uh, Josh McDaniels, 
Uh, I, I just I don't think this would be a good move in any way. So we'll get into that later on. Um, the odd circumstances behind uh, Eric Bieniemy, who doesn't seem uh, to be getting uh, serious consideration for any of these jobs, as far as some of the other candidates. Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball apparently has no interest in coming to Philadelphia, and that should tell you all you need to know about the situation here and about the the desirability of this job. When you have a guy who's an offensive coordinator in Buffalo, never been a head coach, um, isn't even interested in interviewing, a couple of the guys that the Eagles have interviewed, Robert Sala, Arthur Smith, Brandon Staley, who they were going to interview, all those guys took other jobs. And in Sala's case, he takes the Jets' job. In Arthur Smith's case, he takes the Falcons' job. Not two sterling organizations. So uh, that tells you all you need to know about what the perception is of the Eagles organization around the NFL right now amongst head coaching candidates. And it's not good. So we'll get to that throughout the course of the show. We'll get into some Sixers-related stuff a little later on as... Um, I didn't catch uh, the whole game. I didn't catch a ton of the game, honestly, um, on Monday night between Brooklyn and Milwaukee, but I did see the highlights and James Harden is fitting in perfectly already in Brooklyn. And you look at where the Sixers are right now. Um, Ben Simmons needs to take this jump and he needs to take this jump, uh, quickly like this season, like right now, or else uh, this is not going to go well and this will turn out to be a missed opportunity for uh, the Sixers in regards to James Harden. So we'll get to that later on as well. Um, Some other topics uh, that I want to get into throughout the course of the show um, along with those uh, aforementioned. But where we will start is uh, kind of a continuation of where we've been the last couple nights. As the last couple nights we have spoken at length about the report, the bombshell report from Jeff McClain in regards to Carson Wentz and his season last year. None of it was very flattering, uh, to say the least, and we will continue to dissect it tonight because, as we talked about some of it, there are several things from the article um, that I have not had the chance to talk about yet. Uh, Some of the more important things um, that we will uh, dive into throughout the course of the show. But when we look at the Eagles this offseason and their plan, in my mind, they are not considering a real key factor here. And You know, when you look at football, when you look at football locker rooms, unlike most other sports, it is built off of chemistry. Football is the ultimate team game. It's the sport where if you hear the coaches talk about it all the time, you hear the players talk about it all the time, if all 11 guys aren't on the same page, if all 11 guys aren't doing their their job, if everybody's not working together in concert, you are not going to have a, a good result. You're just not going to get it. It's not an individual type game. It's not the NBA where you can have two or three guys who are immensely more talented than everybody else. You can rely on them and they can cover up for the rest of your issues on the team. That's not the way the sport works. 
it is a sport that is built off chemistry and you need everybody to be on the same page and you need everybody to uh, not necessarily love each other. You don't need everybody on the team to be friends. I'm not naive enough to think that in every locker room and every NFL locker room, everybody's friends, everybody's buddy, buddy. It's like any workplace and you're going to have certain people who don't get along with other people uh, as well. And you're going to have to make it work and make the best out of a bad situation. But in general, you need healthy working environments within the framework of the team and within the framework of the locker room. And when I look at the Eagles right now and the process that they are going through, and Jeffrey Lurie and the way he is viewing his football team and the way he is viewing how to fix his football team and how to move forward from here after what was a catastrophic football season with a team that wasn't expected to be great, but a team that certainly was expected to be around 500 at least, a team that was expected to compete for a playoff spot, to have your season go the way it went, be 4-11-1, look as bad as you looked at times in really all three phases of the ball. We focus primarily on offense because that's where the biggest issues lie. But you look at defense. There were games the defense was terrible. You look at special teams. The special teams, it was the worst Eagles special teams I've ever seen in my life. All year long, you had issues across the board. And as... The Eagles are looking to fix things this offseason. The factor that they are not accounting for nearly enough right now and not giving nearly enough consideration to is the effect of their decisions this offseason and what it is going to mean in terms of the chemistry of the team and what it is going to mean in terms of the locker room and the long-term effects that these decisions will have down the road on the players on your team and on the culture of your organization. And, you know, think what you will about Doug Peterson. I made my case for last night for, for why I thought firing Doug Peterson was a mistake. I still, still think it's a mistake. But regardless of that, regardless of whether you think Doug is a good coach or Doug is a bad coach, Whatever. You don't like his play calling. You don't think he moves Carson around enough. Uh, uh, Mike and I were, were just looking at each other. There, there was a caller toward the end of Jody's show who pretty much, Mike, would you say he hit the Carson Wentz excuse bingo? I think he did. I mean, he he just immediately regurgitated every single, well, he doesn't move him out of the pocket. He doesn't run the ball enough. You know, um, doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Carson had a bad offensive line. Runs he had for bad his life. Receivers. He's running for his life back there. It's like there's seventeen. Like a, there's like a right. What twenty seventeen? I mean, do you do you forget about that year? Like, yeah, that was almost a half decade ago. At it's, this point, it's kind of becoming like Foles is twenty six and two or whatever that was. Yeah, he left the field with the lead. He left the field with the lead. Do you know yeah. that he left the yeah. field with the lead in that Darren playoff Foles, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But uh, seriously, I mean, you know, and that's one of them is that Doug's play calling and Doug was the one who, who hampered Carson and all this crap. He had Jalen over his shoulder. Right, right. The Eagles caused this. They drafted a backup quarterback. How dare they uh, draft an insurance policy uh, for a quarterback who's shown that he can't stay healthy? And what a ridiculous decision. I mean, you bash Howie for a lot of stuff. That's not one of the one of the things that I think at this point you can bash him for. Uh, a lot of people bashed him for it last year, but that's the one move that Howie made that I think pretty much you, you can't really argue. It turned out to be a pretty good move. It turned out to be a move uh, that made a decent amount of sense. But, you know, whatever you think of Doug um, and his weaknesses, you can't deny his strengths. And the greatest strength that Doug Peterson had in my mind is the love, the adoration of his players and the respect of his players. That's undeniable. And you don't have to like Doug Peterson. You don't have to think Doug Peterson's a good coach to acknowledge that that's a quality that he possesses. And an important one at that that has been demonstrated over, I'd say, all five of the years that he spent in Philadelphia. It's why this team has kept playing hard over the last few years, even with seeming, even with seasons seemingly spiraling out of control. You know, you look back at 2018. And the Eagles come off that loss in Dallas um, where, you know, it ended up being Carson Wentz's final game that year. Uh, Their chances of making the playoffs following that game were extremely slim. Yet this team came back out as two touchdown underdogs the following week in Los Angeles with Nick Foles at quarterback. They won. They got their season back on track. And even though they needed a, a lot of help toward the end of that season to get in the playoffs, they kept playing and got in. You look at 2019, 5 and 7, coming off a horrendous loss in Miami. Their season at that point um seemed to be lost. But Doug Peterson was able to keep that group together, keep them playing hard, keep them um in contention to win those final four games of the season, get into the playoffs and salvage a season that really wasn't all that good. And then you look uh, back at last season, where, as I've said, last season was terrible. But when you looked at how that team finished, you looked at how that team closed down the stretch, I didn't see a team that had quit. I didn't see a team that had stopped playing hard. I, I didn't see a team that had given up, even though their playoff chances um, were were solely dependent on them beating uh, some some pretty good teams toward the end of the season. That was uh, an Eagles team that I didn't see stop fighting despite the fact that their season had been uh, an absolute disaster. And that is a very important quality for a head coach to have in the NFL. I didn't see this team quitting from an effort standpoint down the stretch last year. And as I've said, I disagree with Jeff Lurie's assessment that Doug Peterson needed to go and ultimately choosing Carson Wentz over Doug. But forget about what what I think, what we think here at the station, because ultimately that really doesn't matter all that much. 
What matters more than anything is what players in the locker room think. And the players had the support of Doug Peterson. And I'm not just talking about a few guys. I'm not just talking about uh, some young guys with no influence. I'm talking about the veteran leaders on this team. And two of the veteran leaders on this team uh, spoke about Doug late in the season and their admiration for him. And first, here's Brandon Graham uh, toward the end of the year talking about uh, Doug Peterson's uncertain future at that point in Philadelphia. I think Doug did a great job, man. He's a great motivator. I mean, I love Doug. I mean, at the end of the day, I understand this part of it. Hopefully things happen the way we wanted to with him being back. But, you know, uh, that's above my pay grade, man. Uh, I just know that um, I'm here for, you know, whatever the organization want to do, and we just keep it moving. Because uh, at the end of the day, I know being here these 11 years, uh, I know everybody here that they, they want to win, and they're going to do everything they can to make sure that that happens. And so um, whatever they see fit, you know, you got to buy into whatever it is and, and let's get it rolling. But um, I love Doug. I know Doug is a great motivator and a great coach. Um, and and that's all I can really say on that. And you hear Brandon Graham there saying, hopefully things work out the way we want them to, which is basically we as the players, as the veteran players on this team, the majority of the players on this team want Doug Peterson back. Brandon Graham unquestionably one of the three to five most influential leaders in that locker room. Um, here's more, this time from from Jason Kelsey toward the end of the season, offering his endorsement of Doug Peterson. They were 3-8-1, and guys are still going out there and giving them everything they got. Um, you know, I think a great head coach is a guy that is a great motivator. I mean, is it important to be um, a, a genius? Uh, it helps, I guess. Is it important to be... Um, a big rah-rah guy, you know, uh, yeah, it helps. Um, but the most important thing is, is, does this guy relate to people and does he motivate people and does he get the most out of people, players, uh, the coaches under him, everybody. Um, and I think that, I, I know that Doug builds an environment that empowers individuals, empowers players, empower, empowers his, his coaches underneath him uh, to be the best that they can be. Um, and in my opinion, that's the best uh, quality trait you can have in a leader, and it's a lot harder to find than I think is often uh, credited. It is, and it is the most important role of a head coach in the NFL to be a leader that your team respects and your team likes and your team will follow. And regardless, as I said, of what you think about Doug from a schematic standpoint, from a play-calling standpoint, any of that stuff, the head coaching qualities, the leadership qualities were things that Doug Peterson had. And now you get to this situation this offseason. And it's why what the Eagles are trying to do right now is untenable. And it's not going to work. Is how do you bring Carson Wentz back into that locker room after all this has happened? How can Carson Wentz possibly Win back this Eagles locker room after all of this. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. We have open lines uh, to start the show as usual here. Because all indications are that his teammates hate him. Like, seriously. and that, that That's the indications you get by this piece, by the reporting that's come out. You can say I'm being harsh. Um, I'm not being harsh. 
His teammates don't like him. It's pretty clear. Um, you, you hear, and there will be some guys offering public defenses every now and then, and you, you've heard that over the course of uh, the last few weeks. Like, Zach Ertz says stuff like, yeah, I like Carson, and, J- and Jason Kelsey says stuff, it's not all Carson's fault and all that stuff. I mean, I don't put a whole lot of stock in that, to be honest with you. Because what do you think these players are going to say publicly when they know the kind of influence that Carson Wentz holds over the organization? Like, they know Carson Wentz has so much power in the organization, they're not going to come out publicly and say, this guy stinks, this guy's a great guy, this guy's a bad guy. What are they going to do? They're going to run to Jeff McClain and tell him about all the bad stuff Carson Wentz has done so Jeff McClain can report it, and it can be reported anonymously. You and I have talked about it before, too. Like, Kelsey isn't as credible as he comes off. No, like, I he's, mean, a, he's a pretty big flopper. I like Jason Kelsey, but Jason Kelsey likes to play both sides yeah. in every way. He's not I mean, about tanking, but he'll you know quit in the middle of the game. Right. Or, Jason, I mean, Jason Kelsey defended Chip up yep. till the day Chip was fired, and then he let loose on Chip. Yeah, he he like kicked Deshaun while he was on his way out the door, and then like when Deshaun came back, acted like there was nothing there. Yeah, and just in general, you know, when players know the kind of power that Carson Wentz wields over the organization, which it's obvious that he wields that kind of power, they're not going to go out and trash him publicly. They are going to do exactly what players and other people within the organization have done. And it's talk to Joe Santaliquito, talk to Jeff McClain, talk to people behind the scenes, and let you know what's really going on. And you could say, oh, these guys are cowards, why don't you put your name on it? That's not the way it works. Jeff McClain is as credible a reporter as we have in this town. Jeff McClain is not making this stuff up. And we'll get to that a little later on, a little tease for the social media gripe around 240-245 in regards to the Carson Wentz situation here. But now that Doug Peterson is fired, which will be the interpretation, like Doug Peterson is fired now. Sorry, I got a little uh, uh, mixed up what I was going to say. But now that Doug is fired, that the interpretation amongst some guys in that locker room, if not most, will be, that Carson Wentz got him fired. A guy, a coach that players liked. A coach that players respected. A coach that players would go to battle for. And if the perception within that locker room, amongst at least, uh, you know, a, a portion, which, how could it not be the interpretation, is that Carson Wentz got Doug fired, how can you bring him back into that locker room? How can you do it? And we talk about it from a schematic standpoint so much and a standpoint of can Carson be fixed? Uh, Can you get Carson back to playing at his 2017 level? Which at this point, I think that's just insane to believe based on what we saw this year that you could get him back to any semblance of that. But I look at it much more from a relationship standpoint and from a chemistry standpoint. And it's the factor that the Eagles are not looking into nearly enough and not looking uh, to resolve nearly enough. Is Jeffrey Lurie's looking at this from a very practical, you know, X and O 
uh, view. That, okay, we'll get the guy in here that can fix Carson, fix the offense, we'll be off and running. There's so much more that goes in to playing football in the NFL and having a successful team. And part of that is chemistry. Part of that is trust. Part of that is guys being on the same page and working together. And it's, to me, the biggest reason why Carson Wentz needs to be out of this city as soon as possible. Is that you cannot bring him back into this locker room after what he did. You cannot bring him back after he at least, if not was the sole reason for getting Doug Peterson fired, was a major reason for paying, for, for getting Doug fired. If it was a Chip Kelly type guy, a different kind of coach who, people, who, who players hated, it would be a different story. But this is a player, or this is a head coach rather, that players liked, that players respected, that players wanted back. And Carson Wentz, in some regard, contributed to him being let go. Not just on the field, but him running and crying to the owner after getting benched when uh, the coach had no choice but to bench him, considering how poorly he played. But that's the question I have for you to start tonight. How can the Eagles bring Carson Wentz back? Do you see a scenario in which he can go back in that locker room? Do you see a scenario in which you know Carson can look at his teammates in the eyes again after what he did? Because to me, that's the biggest reason why he's got to go. It's not about the fact he's a bad quarterback, which he is. It's not about the fact that he's injury prone, which he is. Um, it's not about the the fact that he's got uh, you know issues being coached and has a bad attitude and all this stuff, which he does. All this stuff is true. We have enough evidence at this point. But it's that he's lost the trust of his teammates. And once you have lost the trust of your teammates, there is no coming back from that. And that's what Jeffrey Lurie needs to realize right now. And he should be bringing players in to talk uh, about Carson. Because you don't trust the reporting, fine. Get it straight from the players' mouths, because that's all you need to all you need to do to get to the bottom of this. Is figure out what his teammates think of him, whether his teammates can trust him, because it's not like every other position on the field. A quarterback, in some respects, has to be a leader, and this guy's not a leader. He's not. And there is no way, as far as I see it, that you can bring Carson Wentz back into this locker room next season and have a a, a healthy uh, team that has respect for each other and chemistry amongst one another. I'd love to get your take on it. 215-592-9494-215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, I see John in Allentown. John, you'll be first right after the break, and then you if you want to join. When we get back, we will get to one of the more interesting parts of this article. Um, which referenced the the sacks, and we will uh, dispel one of these myths. That, oh, Carson's running for his life, which is something you hear uh, from the the Wentz apologists all the time. Um, but we'll get to that. And a very interesting uh, note uh, as far as a teammate um, going to a coach and asking for Carson Wentz to be sat down. We'll we'll, we'll kind of take some some guesses on who that teammate might have been. He might have even heard his name and heard his voice in the first segment of the show. 
Uh, so we'll do that when we return as well. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 
592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, I honestly want to get the opinion of some people who still support Carson Wentz uh, throughout the course of the show this morning. I won't bite your head off, I promise. I won't. I, I honestly want to get the, the opinions of some people who still like this guy, who still... Think Carson Wentz can get be a good quarterback in this league? Like, did you? I because I, I just don't see how you can read that article and see some of the things that we have seen and all of these things that have been reported before. Just they're just not things people really wanted to admit. Let's be honest about it. These are all things that have been reported in the past. They just are are, are pieces of, of information people chose to ignore, including myself. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, two years ago, when the Philly Voice story for, by Joe Santa Liquido was um, reported, I dismissed a lot of it because I didn't want to believe it. But this is all stuff that has been there for years. And when there's this much smoke, there has to be fire. And I want to know from people who still support this quarterback and why. He's obviously a creep. He's obviously a, a guy who's not popular amongst his teammates. A guy who's not popular amongst his coaches. A guy who basically sabotaged the football team last year. When you read some of the things as far as not wanting to do certain things at practice that were necessary in terms of this team improving. Changing plays within games that were going to have a negative effect on the offense. Like, I'm honestly genuinely curious how anybody in Philadelphia could still support Carson Wentz. Because his teammates don't even support him. His teammates don't even like him. And when you add this factor in now of him getting Doug Peterson fired, because make no mistake about it, it is the main reason Doug Peterson was let go. Is it the only reason? Might not be the only reason. It is signi- It is absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the primary reason Doug Peterson is not the Eagles coach anymore. Because Carson Wentz was a child. Carson Wentz didn't like some of the things Doug did. And Carson Wentz ran to the owner and got Doug Peterson fired. How is that going to play in the locker room? How can you bring him back into that locker room when this was not a chip situation? This was not a, a coach that players couldn't stand, a coach that players hated, a coach uh, that people didn't want any part of playing for. This is a coach who they liked, they respected, and they wanted back. How can you bring him back into that locker room as a leader on this team, which is something the quarterback uh, has to be. I just don't see it, and I'd love your your take on it. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Let's go to John in Allentown. What's up, John? TK. What's going on, John? You know, I, I've been waiting to call, to call you, you know. Um, okay. You know, I, I told you before, you know, the wrong quarterback got let go when Nick Foles was gone. And I'm not – and I'm telling you, I'm not saying that Nick Foles was a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. But Nick Foles was a better quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles than Carson Wentz because 
from 2017, after Nick Foles won that championship with the with the Eagles, Carson Wentz has mentally not been the same. He wanted him out of there in 2018. That didn't happen. You see how he performed. And then the team absolutely stepped up when, when uh, Nick Foles came in in 2018. And, you know, the guy has no intestinal fortitude. And we started hearing about these, you know, silent reports by, uh, you know, by people, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, you know, and everybody's like, oh, Alshon is the cancer. No, no, Carson Wentz is the cancer on this team. And if you bring him back into that locker room this year, you will lose two-thirds of the locker room. Well, I John, guarantee it. Well, John, the funny part about that that you bring up, you bring up Alshon. And yeah. that part of it is interesting to me because, you know, I think we all expected last year, because really it was it was last year, I think it was after the Cowboys game, when Josina Anderson reported some more stuff and everybody knew it was Alshon. But whenever any teammates were asked about Alshon, they all love Alshon. And they all, yeah. like, speak glowingly exactly. about him. And that told me something that, wow, like, they're not really sticking up for, for Wentz here. Listen, what did Aaron Rodgers do when the Packers – Drafted a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, he, he didn't care. He called the guy. He tried he to help him, care. and he decided he, he was going to play. Yeah, exactly. You'll be. He says you'll be sitting there until I decide I'm done. Because that he came out and he plays lights out. He's got a team. Not not Nick Foles. I mean, not 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 Wentz. He, you know, they draft a quarterback in the second round, and and Wentz played so bad he had to be benched. And you see how much. Listen, the talent wasn't there to be for the team to be great, but you see the effort they put in once Hertz came into the game. I mean, the effort was obviously much better than when Wentz was in the game because they didn't want to play with him. They didn't want to play for him. And them getting rid of Doug Peterson is a travesty, and will it will be a downfall for years for this team to come. It's shameful is what happened. No, I, I hear you, John. It was dollars and cents. They made the decision about the $32 million. They knew they were going to take the hit no matter what. And they said, well, if we – now listen, TK, if they, don't, if they come back with both these quarterbacks and they don't make it an open competition, there's going to be a huge problem. But if they do make it an co- open competition, Wentz is going to be a big problem. <laughs> so their team is going to be a mess. No, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it, John. And I appreciate the call. And yeah, that's a factor we'll dive into here um, throughout the course of the show. Is you know, if you are bringing Wentz back, you can't do it with him just as the starting quarterback. Like I don't see any way that you uh, go that route here. You know, because you look and you talk about whether you can sell to your locker room uh, bringing Carson Wentz back at all. I don't think you can bring him back at all. Like, I I don't think you can bring Carson Wentz uh, back at all because I think he's lost the trust of his teammates, and I don't think that trust is something that he will ever regain from his teammates. I just don't. You know, you can look, because this is not just a one-year thing. Uh, Jeff McLean's report detailed the 2020 season, but we know based on the, the San Aquito thing and the rumblings we've heard over the last couple of years, this is an issue with, with Carson Wentz it goes way beyond just one year. Like this is something that 
really was birthed um, from 2017, where Carson Wentz read his press clippings. Carson Wentz thought that he was better than he was after 2017, and there was a culture that was created within this organization where uh, Carson Wentz was bigger than the team, and Carson Wentz had a bigger voice, had a louder voice than everybody else um, on that roster. So this is a long-standing problem that I don't think he could regain his teammates' trust. But even for the sake of this conversation, uh, you know, say that the Eagles believe that's not necessarily true. That they see a scenario in which Carson Wentz could come back and regain the trust of his teammates. There's no way he can do that just being named the guy. Because if they go into training camp and Carson Wentz is just named the starter, then players will see that and they'll be like, oh, business as usual. Carson getting his way. Carson getting what he wants. Based on what we saw last season, with a, a year in which Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts wasn't great, but Jalen Hurts clearly outplayed Carson Wentz. I, I, I challenge anybody to, to, to argue me on that. That, that, that Jalen Hurts didn't significantly outplay Carson Wentz. The offense looked much better. They were able to generate more points. They were able to move the ball much more effectively and much more consistently. So if you bring Carson back, there's no way you can do that and sell this to your team that um, you know everybody's equal now. Carson is not going to get this preferential treatment and just give him the job. It's got to be an open competition. Every football team preaches that. Every football team and organization preaches that notion that you need to earn your job. You need to earn your spot. And coming off the year in which Jalen Hurts significantly outplayed Wentz, how do you just make Wentz the guy without giving Jalen Hurts a real chance to win the job? You can't do it. And you can't trade Jalen Hurts either because then you're giving up your insurance policy and you're only catering to Carson Wentz even more, which is going to lose even more trust within your locker room. And it's it all goes back to the, the same issue. That ha- as long as the Eagles have Carson Wentz on this roster, there will be a, a distrust within that locker room of him and of the organization as a whole. I said it last night. He is a toxic force that must be removed. And until he is, this organization cannot begin to heal. It's not going to matter. There is no salvaging him in Philadelphia. The culture problem that the Eagles have has been created by the organization's treatment of Carson Wentz and by Carson Wentz's uh, attitude amongst the team. And you can't just... And if you have a culture problem that you need to solve, it's not going to be solved by just handing him a job going into training camp that he has by no means earned. The problems in this organization right now... They do go deeper with Wentz than Wentz. But he is representative of all of it. And he is the source of all of it. And it is spread throughout the organization. But he is the one piece that must be removed 
for the Eagles to begin to, to rehabilitate. And, uh, when people bring up the idea of, well, what if he goes somewhere else is great and is great? I don't care. Like, I, I, am, I am so over Carson Wentz, so beyond caring about what he can be as a player anymore. And the Eagles should be too. Because this is deeper than just can the guy be salvaged on the field. He's lost the trust of his teammates. And when you lose the trust of your teammates, I don't think there is ever any getting that back. And the only way he could possibly get it back is going into training camp with a real competition and beating Jalen Hurts out on merit. You can't just hand him the job. That'll only make a bad bad situation uh, even worse. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, um, I will give you my social media gripe, and we will get to uh, this uh, one portion of the Jeff McClain piece that I, I wanted to uh, touch on. So we'll do that next. Open lines if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, you can also tweet me at TommyKelly44 where Jeff tweets at me, uh, one in three without Wentz, outplayed question mark. Let's ask Fletcher Cox about Wentz. I mean, it, it, it can we at least agree that, that the offense played better with Jalen Hurts in there? Like, is that is that a controversial opinion? Is that an opinion that can be uh, disagreed on? I mean, uh, do, do people forget how bad he was? Like, am I the only person who saw this? I, I, I mean, some other people did, but... Um, I just don't understand what people still see. Like, what do you still see? And if you bring up 2017, I'm going to lose my mind because that is so far in the past. It's not even relevant anymore. Like 2017 is gone. Like that guy doesn't exist anymore. That was before an ACL injury, before a back injury, before a concussion. What evidence do we have that Carson Wentz is ever going to return to even a shell of that player? There's none. There's absolutely none. And I I just, I don't know what people see that makes them believe that is the case. And, you know, my social media gripe today, I have a, a couple gripes for you. Um, first, I'll give you um, my gripe in general, where some people will say, um, you know they'll 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 tweet something out and then at the end they'll say sincerely uh, a concerned fan or something like that. Have you seen any of this, Mike? Uh, an Eagles fan or a Carson Wentz fan or something like that? I've seen them like personally sign it, like a fan. Actually, somebody we work with, the producer here, sign it as you know sincerely Jay, and then like what like I, you well, know what I mean? Like they'll write. He'll write a letter to the team and then expect them to like. Well, this brings me something. I well, I hate when people will like, uh, um, will make a suggestion, be like, "This is the guy you should hire for coach," and at the team, like at Eagles, like nobody's looking at your tweet. I mean, what, what's the well, they're point looking of at? Doing? It. They're just rolling their eyes. Yeah, but what's the point of of doing that? I and th- this isn't a social media thing. This is more of kind of an old person thing. When somebody will send you a text and then at the end they'll sign it with their name. Like, I know who it, if I have your number, I know who it is. Like, that's something like my uncle will do where he'll send me a law, he'll send me a text and then he'll say, uh, you know, uncle, uncle Tom at the end of it. It's like, all right, I know, I have your number. I know who you are. You know, right. that's something old people do, I feel like. All right. No, you're working it out uh, on the show live. Good. Yeah, uh, I, I am. Um, so, uh, yeah, Um but the uh, other gripe that I have in general, and this is this is in regards to this Carson Wentz stuff, is people are still like doubting the validity of these things. Like people are still uh, questioning whether this stuff is true. Like, do people just think Jeff McClain is just like making things up out of thin air? Do they think he's just like making up these reports? Like uh, the media. Is just why would the media be against Carson Wentz to this degree, where they're just making things up? All right, so it's, it's now Tuesday, and you just came out Saturday morning. Have you seen one Eagle come out and say like, "This is bogus"? You no, know, this isn't true. Yeah, no, none, no, nothing. And that should tell you all you need to know about Carson Wentz. His teammates hate him. They do. 
And that's not an opinion. That That's supported by evidence. And the evidence is nobody has come out and disputed this. Definitely. Not as one they person. Say. Not one person from the not one person from the, the locker room, not a player. And maybe even more um noteworthy, not even the Eagles organization. Like, not even an anonymous source from the organization has come out and done it. Because I think they all feel this way. And, you know, when I heard them talking about it on the morning show this morning, I heard a lot of callers calling in and, like, directing their ire at at Howie. And, oh, well, Howie is, is, you know, he loves Carson. I don't think Howie does love Carson. Don Smolensky and Howie Rosen were trying to talk Jeffrey Lurie out of firing Doug. I think Howie came around on it, too. People make such a big deal about, oh, he's got a fat head up in his uh, office. Uh, if you see the picture, it's like a, a quote with like, you know, uh, on the side, it's like Wentz and Fletcher Cox. Um, it could be any player up there. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense that he picked those two. Like, they right. they have long-term security with the the team. Right. He probably, he probably put it up, like, after 2017 and just, like, didn't feel like... Ta- what, is Howie just supposed to rip down, like, this big Put up Marcus Epps? Yeah. Like, um... What what do you have to say to that? Like, nobody has come out and disputed this. Not one person. That speaks volumes. And the owner needs to take note right now and understand that, that this guy is not liked. This guy is not respected. And there is no bringing him back into this locker room. There's just not. Not in any way that's going to be healthy in any way um, that, that's going to be good for this team. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Tim and Glenside. What's up, Tim? What's going on, Tim? How you doing? Not bad. What's going on? Not too much. Um, I just wanted to have a quick conversation with you about, you know, what you're saying about Carson and mm-hmm. Doug. Like, um, how, how do you – like, do you have actual facts that Carson got Doug fired? Or is that just speculation from the report that you hear? No, I mean, I mean, there is report. I mean, Ian Rappaport's a pretty plugged-in reporter. He basically said that. I mean, I understand that, and I, I respect what he says and everything like that, but none of us were in that locker room because I remember during the season when some things came up, a couple of players like Fletcher Cox and some others did step up for him. But at the same time, like, man, this, this whole season was a bleak show. And every we all know, and I think that it was just more than one party. It was partially Howie. It was Doug running out of two-point conversions. It was Doug going for the fourth down like he's playing Madden. And it was Carson because he stunk. So I think it was a collaborative effort for this team sucking last year because, I mean, if you look at this receiving core, I mean, we already know the story about that, and we know whose fault that is. Yeah, I so mean... I, just it, think it, I think it's everybody. I'm sorry, I mean, because uh, I think it's everybody, and to me it sounds like you, you coming down on Carson as this. I mean, I saw Carson on the sidelines with his arm around Jalen Hurts after he got benched, $100 million, $100 million man got benched. I saw him cheering when things went well on the sidelines, clapping for the team, even though he got benched. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean that, what do you expect you know, him to do, Tim? I mean, he knows the cameras are going to be on him. Why would why would why would he not do that? Would you just expect him to be going over no, sitting sulking? Are, are you serious? So listen, I'm yeah, I am serious. So watching football. Well, listen, how many players get benched and sit in their face with a sour face? You see a you see it happen all the time. They don't want to be bothered, especially quarterbacks, because they're the head of the team. You see it happen all the time. They get sour. They're moping. They don't sit with the team. So yeah, I, 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 who, yeah. Who are you? Who are you talking about? I, I usually don't see that. I, I don't. I don't. So you, you, you've never seen a disgruntled player. No, I mean, I, well, Tim, Tim. Like, I'm did you did you did you read you the did you read the article though? 
I didn't read it. I, I heard those, you, know, you guys talking and everything. Listening yeah, to well, well I suggest you read it because I think, I think there is a real uh, different perception of Carson in this city than what he actually is. Like, I think it he is. I think he's right. a. I think he's a bad guy. Like I think he's a bad guy who is calculated, and I think he is thinking constantly about how he's perceived. And this kind of all shucks Carson in the media is not the real Carson Wentz. No, listen, listen, Tom. You could be one hundred percent right. All I'm saying is that I just hate to kill a guy unless we really know what's really going on. Because a couple of years ago, something came out about Carson being a teammate, and he went to his teammates and he said, you know, he's going to try to be a better teammate some of those things were true he didn't hide from it but he said yeah some of those things could be true but i gotta try to be better but he did this year he stood up he stood up in front of the team and said i suck and he took he took the blame for it so i mean well apparently he yeah, didn't he, though <laughs> that's the thing apparently he didn't do that and that i, I yeah I, pr- I appreciate the call tim yeah that's the problem is apparently he did none of that it was actually the complete opposite yeah I, i'm curious when he heard Wentz. Stand up to the team and take ownership. That, no, that no, by all accounts, like, never happened. And this is the thing. And uh, you could say I'm slandering the guy or whatever, and that that's another. So the Carson Wentz slander will not be tolerated. I've seen people tweet tweet that stuff out. Yeah, you, you ever see that where yeah. you know this slander won't be tolerated for whoever? Well, well, that was a case of. I mean, for that gentleman, I I think he had his head in the sand. Like yeah. he, he actively avoided the article. No, he admitted I, as much. I, I liked him, I, and I I'd encouraged him to call again after reading, but. No, no. I mean, Tim can call up again. That's the, the not tonight because it's one call per show. Good point. But whenever. Um, but you know, no. This stuff, this stuff isn't happening, and this is not like you know us killing Carson Wentz. This is us reacting to his teammate, to people who know him killing him. I don't know him. I am giving my opinion based on the facts that I have. And based on the facts that I have, I think it's fair to say that this guy is not a good teammate, that this guy is, you know, for all the, the, and I don't want to get into a religious debate, but I hear this as an excuse all the time. He's a good Christian man. Well, I don't know if you're, you know, such a, a, a religious person, how do you justify treating other people as poorly as you do? And not taking accountability when you do things wrong. And, you know, we'll get to, to that factor of it later on. Because there was um, some details in regards to Carson Wentz and his lack of coach and his lack of accountability. His lack of coachability and his lack of accountability. Which we will get to. But I want to get to this one part of it right now. And this was from the Jeff McClain piece. And this is, I think, important to to put into context because when you hear the list of Carson Wentz excuses, and maybe we will um, make like a Carson Wentz bingo board. I think we should do that, Mike, in the next uh, couple days. Make like a Carson Wentz bingo board or a tic-tac-toe board of Carson Wentz excuses um, and see how quickly we can get uh, Carson bingo uh, throughout the course of a show. But one of the the constant excuses that we hear is that, oh, the offensive line was terrible. These guys can't block anybody. He's running for his life back there. And I'm not telling you the offensive line was good. But here is one aspect of him not taking accountability. Where Jeff McClain mentions, um, by the by, and this is from the article, by the bye week, 
Wentz had been sacked an NFL high 32 times. A coaching analysis deemed the quarterback was responsible for almost two-thirds of those sacks. Almost two-thirds. That's a significant amount. What's two-thirds of 32? 24. So Carson Wentz is responsible for, what, 20 to 24 of those sacks. I mean, 10 to 12 sacks at that point in the year. It's through, what, at that point, nine games, eight games? That's not that bad. And that's that's a little over a sack a game. That's actually pretty good performance from an offensive line, to be honest with you. And around the break, one offensive lineman had gone to management and requested the switch to Hertz. And this is a quote from a, a from a person within the organization. Is that everyone believed Carson had no clue about when to get the ball out on time. Which you could see if you're really watching and you're not just looking to make excuses. And the result made his offensive line look terrible in times when they were playing fine. This is not me saying this. This is somebody within the organization saying this. They didn't like Carson Wentz before he got Doug Peterson fired. And we'll get the sound next segment. So, you know, and give you the reporting on that Doug, you know, why Doug got fired here. And now you're going to bring him back when leadership at that position is incredibly important. And, you know, uh, we have another quote from uh, accountability as far as the accountability with Carson that we'll get to in the next segment as well. Got to hit the break, but. Um, A few things uh, that I want to get to. We'll get to this quote on accountability. And uh, Tim had asked for the, you know, evidence of Doug getting fired due to Carson. Well, we'll play some sound for you Um, in the next break. Various people said it. Uh, So we'll play you that uh, when we return um, in the next segment here. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. And I also have a movie-related topic when we get back, um, we had a, if you listened a week ago tonight, we had our Goodfellas debate that Mike has not seen Goodfellas. And I'm guessing he still has not seen it. No, uh, just disgraceful. But um, Goodfellas was one of the three greatest movies of all time, according to uh, uh, an NBA player. And uh, I want to give you a, a, a movie take when I get back and, and throw out a movie-related topic for you to join in on as well. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join uh, the show tonight. Talking about Carson Wentz and um, the uh, story uh, by Jeff McLean that we'll be talking about for a while. I mean, I mean, I, I know people are already getting tired of the Wentz um, criticism here, but it's it's important. I mean, this is a major decision that the Eagles have to make this offseason in regards to their quarterback. And, I mean, every way I look at it, I just don't know how you justify bringing this guy back. And, you know, it's not even about the performance. Like, I think he stinks. I don't think he's going to get better. I, I, I mean, he can't be as bad forever as he was last year. But I think Carson Wentz, his upside moving forward is an average to slightly above average quarterback. And that's not a guy worth paying the type of salary that he has. So I'd rather just cut my losses and move on. But beyond that, like as far as Philadelphia is concerned, I don't know how you keep him in this locker room when he at least played a significant role in getting the coach fired. And we'll get to some sound in a second here because we have, you know, Tim, Tim, Tim was asking, you know, who reported this, and we have several guys uh, that reported this last week in regards to the Eagles choosing um, Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson. So we'll get to that in a second. We also got to take guesses on who the offensive lineman was that went to management um, to request a change. Um, And I'll give you my guess in a second. We'll get Mike's as well. Uh, But real quick, I wanted to throw in a movie-related topic because I saw this uh, tweet. Um, from Josh Hart on Monday night, Josh Hart of uh, formerly of Villanova um, and now of the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, Pelicans aren't having a very good season so far, are they? Uh, that I don't, What were they thinking hiring Stan Van Gundy? I don't get that. I, I like Stan as a broadcaster. He's not a very good coach. He doesn't seem to be doing a very good job with a talented team in New Orleans. He didn't seem like a fit with Zion Williamson. No. I'll just say that. Yeah. I, I don't think it was a good... Uh, I don't think it was a good hire. But um, Josh Hart tweeted out uh, top three movies of all time, question mark. And the reason I bring it up is because, number one, he has Gladiator. Number two, he has Goodfellas, the movie that Mike uh, refuses to watch. Um, Well, one of millions that I I refuse to watch. Have you seen Gladiator? I refuse to watch that as well, I guess. Okay. What about Pulp Fiction? That's third on his list. No. You've never seen any three of those movies? No. I don't, like, when I say I don't watch movies, I'm not exaggerating. What's the last movie you've watched, if you don't mind me asking, if that's not too personal of a question uh, to delve into there? Um, I saw Django. So whatever year that was oh, that. Okay, that's a pretty good movie. Wait, you, but you saw that when it came out? Like, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm not talking about in theaters. I'm talking about last time you just, like, watched a movie at home. Uh, I don't, I haven't, uh, I don't know since I don't know. I don't think I've done it like recently. <laughs> You're a different kind of guy, Mike. I don't know. Well, I'm, just... I'm a football guy. You're a movie guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, you can be both. You can watch football and watch movies. Um, but uh, I, I want to know because I I, I I had a movie pop up Monday night that I was watching before I came in, um, and 
I, I want to know what is the movie that if you see do see on TV that you got to stop on. I mean, Goodfellas is obviously one, um, but uh, the movie I'm referring to on Monday night was Shawshank Redemption. I whenever I see that movie on TV, I gotta I gotta flip it on and watch it a little bit. It's why I missed uh, Brooklyn and uh, Milwaukee on Monday night. I was watching a little Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Did, have you ever seen that movie? No. Jeez, you got to see that movie, Mike. It's a great movie. It's even better than Goodfellas. Okay. So, DJ, so I'm guessing you just don't have a movie that when it's on, you you want to flip it on and watch it. Rob Ellis calls these stick and clicks. Okay. Um, Sorry, am I ripping? Really. Am I ripping off a Rob topic here? That's not what I'm meaning to do. I, I've heard him use it before, so that's why I just oh. know of it. I don't. If he did it recently, I don't remember. Jeez, it. I mean, because we are the last show that we 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 are oh, very yeah, yeah. against. You know, the topic theft. So I would I would feel bad if that was what I was doing here. Not, yeah, no, not intending to. Um, I don't think you are. I just, yeah, I just remember the term. Um, no, I don't really have an answer for that. I don't think. Oh, you know what? Um, super bad. I would say. Okay. Hmm. I would like. It's actually like funny to me when it's edited out the, like, how PG they make it when they edit it for TV. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that that's a uh, that, that's, that's obviously it's not a great movie. Eh, it's not eh, like it's yeah, all right. But. It's not 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 great. Um, in that genre of movies, I'm trying to think like that kind of. Uh, I feel like Knocked Up's always on. I've yeah, seen that. I like Pineapple Express. I'm a big Pineapple. Oh uh, yeah, movie. I like that more. That's a I funny. Just, movie. I never see it on. James Franco is hilarious in that movie. All of them are. Uh, yeah, uh, Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny McBride is <laughs> so creepy in that movie. He's such a weird guy. His house uh, is very uneasy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is very funny in that movie, though. Um, but yeah, what's, it, what's your what's stick and click, I guess uh, we'll yeah. call it. Because um, uh, Shawshank Redemption's mine. I, I always got to turn it on when I watch it. Uh, uh, maybe or when it's on TV. Click and stick, not stick and click. Click and stick. Click and stick, there you go. That you, would make more sense. Because you use the clicker to stick on it. Right, right. Um Okay, well, uh, if you want to give that, uh, you're welcome to as well. Um, and, you know, I, I, you, you get back to this this um, Jeff McClain thing. And as I mentioned before the break, um, by the bye week, Carson Wentz had been asked, uh, or, or uh, by the bye week, Wentz had been sacked 32 times. Coaching analysis deemed quarterback responsible for more than two-thirds, and this was very interesting. Around the break, one offensive lineman had gone to management and requested a switch to Hertz. Now, Mike, who is your? Who do you think was the one who um, made this request? Because I think most people will jump to the conclusion that I believe you're jumping to. Um, that was the man in the middle. No, no. I think it was either him or Johnson. You? Oh, I thought you were going to go with your boy, the bodyguard. No, I don't. I, don't I think really... Peters is a Wentz guy, actually. No, he is. He's acknowledged as much, and I didn't really think he had the clout that season to do it he didn't have a good season like you kind of had if you're going to like say someone else needs to be benched you kind of need a little cachet on your side you know right and i didn't i didn't feel like he was qualified for that it was either kelsey or johnson um because I, I i rule out say Amalo. i just yeah i'd be surprised if it was Amalo. i think it was jason kelsey yeah. personally i think it was jason he's a He's not a weasel. He's a weasel. I don't know why you dislike Jason Kelsey. Because he's a weasel. He, he, he likes to. He, he's chatty. No, he got away with. Uh, he quit on the 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 Washington Week 17 game, and nobody wanted to admit it. But he did. The, he it quit. did look bad. The play was Sudfeld. He quit. Where you know, at that point, it's like okay, they put Sudfeld. Okay, in but there. don't lecture us about how you're Mr. Culture, no tanking guy, and then go out there and quit. Like, okay, I, I I hear you. Um, 
But yeah, I think it was. I think it was absolutely Jason Kelsey, and I think most people will be. Oh no, he loves Carson. I I, I don't think so. Jason Kelsey loves whoever can help Jason Kelsey the most. Is the pattern I've seen through the years. Yeah, yeah. Jason Jason does have the uh, reputation of being a little bit of a flip flopper. He's kind of all over the place. He's got an agenda. Yeah. Um. But back to what Tim had asked, and and you know. Uh, we could speculate all we want on the, the Carson Wentz-Doug Peterson dynamic, but when there's this much reporting, I think it's pretty clear what this came down to and this coming down to Carson or Doug. And first, here's Ian Rappaport and his report last week about um, this ultimately being a decision between the two. The other part of this involves Carson Wentz. Now, from what I understand, Carson Wentz would not have wanted to be back in Philadelphia had Doug Peterson come back. Just did, did not feel... Like there was any uh, sense in in continuing that relationship, to not think he was going to be was going to get better as a football player, and just didn't want to do it. The fact that Peterson is now out does increase the chances that Carson wins his back. So I mean, obviously, right there. I, again, this isn't media members making stuff up here. Like I know everybody hates the media at times, including Jake Voracek. Uh, did Voracek yeah, speak to the media? Guy. Just one guy. Did he speak to the media uh, Monday night after the game? You know, I don't think there was, uh, after the 6-1 loss, I don't think there was much to uh, talk to Jake Voracek about. Yeah. He didn't really shine in that one. Yeah, that would have been even better, though. The, 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 I wish this was a regular thing where we'd have these media um, member and player uh, spats here. Um, but that's Ian Rappaport basically saying, yeah, it came down to a choice between the two. Carson didn't want to come back and, and play for Doug. Um, then Doug gets fired. I mean, you draw whatever conclusions from that you want. Uh, here's more from Troy Aikman, who had a conversation with Doug Peterson last week. You know, Mike, I uh, I reached out to to Doug Peterson yesterday when I heard the news, and I, I'm surprised. I what I gathered, and I I don't know, I I don't have any insight, but what I gathered, it came down to, was a difference of opinion as to how they were moving forward at the quarterback position is what mm. I sensed. I sensed that, you know, here Jeff Lurie, the owner, has paid a lot of money to Carson Wentz, and they're on the hook with him. They can't get out of that contract, you know, right away. And yet it's my belief that Doug Peterson felt that Jalen Hurts was probably the quarterback going forward. And, and how, how does that mesh, you know? And so I, I just – Without having any understanding of what took place in that right. meeting, I think the they said, well, there's a difference of opinion as to how they're going to go forward and correct this past season. I, I believe it all came down to how they were going to handle Carson Wentz, and and uh, and that's why Doug Peterson's now looking for a job. There you go, right there. That's Troy Aikman reporting. I got a little distracted there. I mean, we got the TVs on here at the station, and Glenn's beer show is on. So I'm watching Glenn Mack now drinking a beer on my TV. That's always entertaining uh, late at night. Seems socially distant. Yeah. We hope. Yeah, it was pretty funny, though. There was a a, a shot of a sign that said, <laughs> uh, face mask must be worn straight to a shot of Glenn drinking a beer, not wearing a mask. So that was pretty funny. Um, but uh, well, check it out right now uh, on NBC Sports Philadelphia. If you're up, give Glenn a little, you know, turn down the ratings, turn us up. Right, turn us up, turn down the volume, and watch Glenn drink a beer and and uh, you know give him a little rating spoon. Then uh, you know we get ratings, he gets ratings, and and great. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's pretty clear what happened here that it was between Carson and Doug, and the Eagles made a choice. And um, you know I just think it's the wrong one. I don't know how you can bring 
Carson back into this locker room. It's the thing to me that I just don't, I can't get around. You know, even if I'm wrong about his play on the field and that he can get back to being a good quarterback, um, I don't see it happening here because I don't see how he can win back the trust of his teammates. And this leads me to one more quote here that a player said this, a veteran player said this to Jeff McClain said he doesn't understand that he lost games for us. He will never admit that. And that's a problem because he can't get it corrected. Like that is as, I mean, when you have a player saying he doesn't understand he lost games for us, which he did. Um, I don't know how you earn back that trust. Um, and especially when you add in the factor that he got a coach fired that the players liked a lot. Um, I just don't know how you get around that. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? What's going on, man? I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm actually going to defend Jeff Lurie a little bit. Oh, um, well, I, I think you're partially right. I do think that Carson Wentz played a part. Um, and I do think it's more likely that he stays, given the firing of Doug Peterson. But I think if you could you know, pick Jeff Lurie's brain and – ask him if he could get a top-level offense with Jalen Hurts, would he take that over just trying to figure out Carson Wentz? And I think he would say yes. I think I more than so. anything, I think he just wants a – I think Jeffrey Lurie's always been an offense, offensive guy. He's always talked about how he thinks you win with offense. He always talks about how he's envious and he admires teams that put up a great offense. Um, I think that's why he's pursuing Josh McDaniels. He's infatuated with the Patriots. We'll get to McDaniels in a minute, but um, I think the number one thing for Lurie is he just wants a powerhouse offense. And if he can't get that with Carson, I think he's perfectly willing to do it with Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's – I don't think – I've seen no indication yet that he's mandated that Carson Wentz is 100% back. Now, I think it's more likely, but I don't think it's a given that Carson Wentz is back. I still think he could be traded. Yeah, uh, you know what, Mike? I-, I hope you're right. I just don't see it. Like, I think he is. Uh, I think Jeffrey Lurie can't get 2017 out of his mind, and I, I, I think he believes, um, despite all the evidence pointing to the contrary, that that's what Carson Wentz can be again. And um, you know, I, I think that is his sole focus this offseason is fixing is finding somebody that can fix Carson Wentz and I if that is the approach it's it's a bad approach and I agree with that um like for McDaniels I I don't think he's hiring him to fix Carson per se I think he thinks there's a chance like somebody like McDaniels could fix Carson but being that he's a target, I think he wants some first because he thinks he can bring a top offense to Philadelphia. That's that's why. Because if you look at the coaches that they've, um, you know, interviewed, uh, you know, guys like Joe Brady and Arthur Smith, um, they're just guys that I think you know he thinks he can get uh, you know a, a really good offense out of. Um, but I mean, you might be right. Look, man, I said last off season that uh, there's. There's no way that Howie Roseman, after he invested that much money in the Carson Wentz, could not, inv- uh, you know, significantly address the receiver position, and he did foolishly. Just waited until late April to add a single wide receiver. So um, there, you know, I've underestimated their idiocy before and their ego. So you could absolutely be right. Jeffrey Lurie could just be so obsessed 
with getting Carson Wentz back to the 2017 level where he's ignoring all kinds of advice and people whispering into his ear. Um, but I think, you know, I, I don't think as bad as Jeffrey Lurie's been lately, he's shown a willingness to move on. Um, so I'm not completely ruling that out well, yet. Yeah, I mean, na- like like move on from Doug or because – I don't think he's been showing a willingness to move on. I mean, you look at guys like Alshon and Jason Peters last year. That doesn't demonstrate that to me. Well, I mean, he's moved on from Joe Banner. He he, he got he fired Chip Kelly after giving a year after he gave him power. So he has shown that he can change his mind. He demoted Howie, and he did that once. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, he has shown he can change his mind on things. Um, but we'll see. I mean, maybe he just has a complete infatuation with Carson. Uh, you know, we're going to find out. I, I don't think Josh McDaniels, assuming Josh McDaniels is the guy, I don't think Josh McDaniels would take this job um, if he didn't have a at least a decent say in who's going to be the starting quarterback. Like, if they told in the interview, if they said, Josh, Carson Wentz is going to be your starter next year no matter what, I don't think he would have taken the job. I think um, if both are back, I think they're, they're, he's going to allow them to battle it out in camp. But – you can't offer that job to McDaniels or, who, or whoever, even if it's not McDaniels, and say, well, even if Carson Wentz has a terrible camp, he has to be your starter next year. Because no new coach would get respect from the locker room. I mean, could you imagine that? A brand-new coach comes in, Carson Wentz is horrible in camp, just has an, an atrocious camp, and he goes, he's the starter. He'd immediately lose respect in the locker room. And so I don't know why any coach would take that job, including McDaniels, if, Jeffrey, if that's what they told him you know, in the meetings. No, I agree, Mike. And, you know, I don't think you can bring Carson back without this being a competition with Jalen Hurts. Like, there's no way um, that, that you can do that and win over the players in your locker room because that is a, a key factor here that, that Jeffrey Lurie, I hope, understands uh, that football is a different sport than a lot of these other ones where you can't just bring in a new coach and, and kind of reset. You need to earn those players' trust. That's a big right. thing for the head coach to do. And it's why I think firing Doug was premature, you know, because Doug had issues, um, you know, as far as scheme, coaching, whatever. But Doug had to trust those players, and that's not something that just happens uh, immediately. That's something that needs to be earned, and that's something in Carson's case that needs to be rebuilt in a major way. Right. By the way, I think um, I think Jason Peters is the one who who spoke out even though he wasn't starting at, huh. by, the, by that point I, he just seems like the type of guy to do that like you know get this guy out of here <laughs> i just get those vibes from peters um but you know i'm surprised that look i i there are definitely concerns about mcdaniels um <clears throat> like i said i would be fine with him but he wasn't my top choice i would probably prefer joe brady i wanted lincoln riley um but like i've seen people say that they're they're gonna stop watching the eagles if they hire mcdaniels like i don't get the the how you know the level that people loathe this guy like you know what did it's not like he's rich Cotite. like he was a part of multiple super bowl teams and i know that he had tom brady but people want eric bienemy and he coaches under andy reed and they have patrick mahomes like what the hell has eric bienemy ever proven uh, first of all i don't even know what he does what i've heard was from reporters that mike kafka is the one who designs the passing game concepts and andy reed I don't know what Eric Bieniemy even does there. Now, Andy Reid speaks highly of him, but every you know mentor speaks highly of their protege. I mean, I remember when Gus Bradley, when people thought he was going to be coach here, the, the people called in the WIP who knew Gus Bradley said, "You're going to love this guy. He's a special head coach," and he turned out to be terrible. So, like, I don't know why. Like, if you don't want McDaniel's, um, 
because of the Brady thing, then you could turn around and say, I want Eric Bieniemy when he has maybe the most talented quarterback in NFL history and he's coaching behind one of the best coaches in NFL history. Like, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, but you could say the same exact things about McDaniels, though. Right, well, that, right, that's but, my but, point. But, but, right, but, but you know, you, you look at I mean, there is a major difference between guys who have succeeded under Andy when they've moved on and guys that have succeeded under Belichick. No uh, guy off Belichick's tree has succeeded. None. Yeah, I don't, I don't, is that circumstantial? Like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, is there a logical reason for it? Like, just because you coach under Belichick means you can't succeed. I don't, I don't see, like, you know, I mean, it's a pattern, but I don't know if it's a pattern. I mean, you have to put it into the right context. Like, is there a reason why guys under Belichick have not succeeded? Is there a reason why guys under Andy? Like, Belichick's wow. clearly a great coach, so it's not like they're not learning anything. I, I think teams are just picking the wrong guys. I, what I think is happening is teams look at, oh, this team is successful. We're just going to hire a coach no matter what. Well, but, well, with Andy, they hire a coach more based off of, you know, what they think they could bring to the table, not just because they coached under Andy Reid. But not all Andy Reid uh, underlings have been successful. I mean, Matt Nagy's been bad. Um, you know, Steve Spagnuolo wasn't a good head coach. He, he coached under Andy. So it hasn't been everybody. But I think that when you look at the schemes that the Patriots run and the type of offense, I mean, forget about Brady. Like, and remember that well, Super you can't Bowl? just forget about Brady, though. No, but like, I'm talking about all time. there's guys like they scheme guys wide open all the time. Now, Brady has to make the throws, of course, but they're always able to scheme guys open. I mean, they made Chris Hogan like a, at a thousand yard receiver or close to it. They made Danny Amendola a thousand yard receiver. Like those guys are mediocre receivers. They were able to scheme these guys wide open. They've always been good at in their passing game concepts, and he's adaptable. Um, you know, he'll throw it 50 times if he needs to. He'll run it 40 times if he needs to. Now, there, like again, there are concerns. He was uh, the Denver situation was a disaster. A disaster. And, yes, and I'm not gonna. That's why he wasn't my first choice. But when you're done, when you're in a position where nobody wants to coach here, and you're choosing between Joe Brady and Josh McDaniels and Eric Bieniemy, you know, it's not like you know that Mikhail Shanahan's on the market and he wants to come here you know if you're choosing between guys like that i don't understand why people are so down on Josh McDaniels uh i, I hear you mike and i appreciate yeah, it I, I i i mean and i'll get to it in the next segment here um cuz Josh McDaniels was a disaster in Denver like an absolute disaster what he did in Indianapolis um you know you can argue whether it's something that matters or not but he burned a ton of bridges. He left a lot of people hanging out to dry there. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I would disagree with this idea that he is some sort of offensive genius. Like, you look at all the numbers, you look at everything. I mean, and you can't just disregard, uh, well, you know, forget about Brady. Like, you can't just disregard that. Wait, Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the history of football. Would, would, is there any argument against that? Yeah, you're but, a TB12 guy, Mike. Yeah, Tom, you're doing it in this, like, backwards way of, like, Tom Brady was so good for his resume, we just we got to take it off his resume because it's such a glaring, you know, star on his resume. It's like, well, that should count, too. Well, uh, yeah, it should count. But it also matters significantly that he has a, a, a guy who is a freak of nature physically that can play as well at 43 as he did at 33. You know, a guy that's that's as amazing as Brady, not just physically, but also mentally. Like, let, let's not act like Tom Brady, 
what? doesn't have a massive amount of control over that offense. Like, of course he does. Well, I don't understand that. Like, if Tom Brady's 24, the offense still looks impressive. It, like, it doesn't look impressive because he's he used to be 42 when he, or 41, whatever, when he was there. It looks impressive because of you know all the things they can do to move the ball and get right. the ball in the end but, zone. But if you think if you think you know you look at any quarterback in the NFL, any real good quarterback in the NFL, would you argue that they have an extremely large voice and extremely large amount of control within the offense as far as game plan and as far as play calling within the game and checks at the line? Like, would you would you agree with that? Maybe like I don't know Josh Allen well enough to say that he does it the same amount that Aaron Rodgers does. Okay, like, I, I don't know. That's what I, I'm talking about. Okay, let's let's talk about just the elite guys: the Josh Brady, Rodgers, Peyton. You know, like the all time all time guys. Are you talking about their whole career or when they got to like 40? I'm just talking in general. Like, uh, you know, these guys have extreme amount of control over the offense. Like. Aaron Rodgers, do you think Aaron Rodgers is great because Aaron Rodgers is great? Or do you think Aaron Rodgers was great because Mike McCarthy is an offensive genius? You mean LaFleur? But before LaFleur, I mean... Oh, I mean, McCarthy obviously got him to a pretty good spot. And then it just seemed like McCarthy... Mike, you've been, we've been mocking McCarthy all year! I, well, if you, can I finish? Sure, sorry. I, I think he got him to a pretty good spot, and then McCarthy just got... Like the massage thing and stuff, like he just got complacent and just stopped coaching. It seemed like, but he—I mean, it's undeniable. He did have a really good hand in you know the beginning of Rogers' career. Yeah, I mean, I—I uh, would—I I would agree. I would also say, if the beginning of his career is what we're judging by here, I mean, McDaniel's wasn't the offense coordinator at the beginning of Brady's career. I'm not judging him by the beginning of his career. I'm judging him by the candidate right now, the candidate that was at Jeff Lurie's house Sunday. That's what I'm judging on. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I actually don't. The Denver thing, I'm willing to accept that people at, you know, at 45 are better professionally than they, they were at 31. That's just, I mean, that's that's a guess I'm making. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, and uh, Art, I see you there. You'll be first right after the break. Got to hit the break. But um, I went back and I, I looked at a story uh, from right before the Colts were going to hire McDaniels. And, I'll read you some of the stuff from what went on in Denver. It's not good. And for a team that has culture problems already, I think this is legitimately the worst guy for the job. And you look at the Brady stuff. um, I'll just say this. In Josh McDaniel's tenure, his games with Tom Brady, they've ranked third in offense. Without Tom Brady, wherever else he's been, 19th. I mean, is that what we're, we're looking for here? We're looking to get a guy who could bring this offense the mediocrity, like, there's no evidence, no empirical evidence that Josh McDaniels is going to have a top 10 offense without Tom Brady. No evidence. Well, wait a minute. That team competed for the playoffs last year, and they had no business playing meaningful December games with that quarterback they, they had last year. They were competing for the play. They were eliminated with, like, three weeks left to play. What are you talking about? They played meaningful December games. Like, the, But the point is... The, the Eagles cor- played meaningful December games. Yeah, obviously a different division, but... Yeah. My point is, like... If you did, you watch Cam Newton this year. Yeah, they had no business winning seven games with that crap. No business. No, I mean, uh, the, I mean, they, they they weren't winning those games because they were outscoring teams. They're they're holding it together with what they could, like you know trick plays left and right, like that game against the Ravens. They pulled out of their ass. Yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, you could say the same thing about um, 
Doug Peterson with Jalen Hurts. I mean, Doug Peterson with Jalen Hurts had a better offense than they had in New England. Like, you just look at and we got Doug, it. The Doug break went here. one and three. We, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the Patriots didn't do didn't do uh, much better. I mean, they weren't a very good team this year. Seven and nine is better than one and three. Yeah. Okay. We're we're hoping to be seven and nine. All right. Let's get back on track here and look for mediocrity. Because that's the best you're getting with Josh McDaniels. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, I want your thoughts on the front runner for the Eagles job, Josh McDaniels, because I'm getting worn out during the break by Mike Angelina about, oh, Josh McDaniels, he's a genius. He, look at how great this Patriots offense was this year. They averaged 20 points a game. I mean, what are, what are we talking about? I mean, come on. They, they, they went weeks at a time where they were held without, you know, under 20 points. It's ridiculous. You're, you're trying to pull another Kelly tactic on no, me. No, I'm not. I, I'm looking at their well, schedule no, right no, now. You're, you're, instead of instead of making fake people, now you're making fake quotes. I didn't say look at their offense. You the love Josh, but you're in love with this guy. Yeah. I, I, like, I just don't know how you can watch that team last year and think Cam Newton wasn't a problem. He was, but but Josh, yeah. like, why do you, why do we, and I want your thoughts on Josh McDaniels, 215-592-9494, who is likely the Eagles' next head coach. We should have picked up on this. Um, back during the press conference because I re-listened back to some of Lori's answers. Did you notice that that, that he gave McDaniel's the first name? Um, I, I heard Ray bring this up, but yeah, I, I missed it. He referred to him just as Josh, which would uh, you know uh, suggest there is a relationship there. Well, and remember too, he was uh, he indicated he was impressed with the uh, Patriots' offense against Jim Schwartz's defense. In the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's probably why he's going to hire him, because Lori's still obsessed with the Super Bowl performance that, that the Eagles did win, by the way. I, I'm not sure if if he... Remember, Without you know, Carson Wentz. Which, so. who knows? Lori might have been rooting against the Eagles at this point. He's such a Patriots fan. I mean, he, he's obsessed with that organization. Um, but I just don't... I don't get the Josh McDaniels love. I really don't. I mean, when he hasn't had Tom Brady... He's had the 19th best offense in the NFL. Like, wh- what is so great about that? What is it? I don't know what that... Okay, like, so if he takes, like, the 32nd best quarterback and has the 19th best offense, you're spinning that as, like, a fail, but to me that could be a win. Like, I don't... Like, give me more context than, uh, you know, if you take out these four games Tom Brady was suspended I don't for. think he's had the 32nd best quarterback in the league a lot of the time. You're right. Like, when Jacoby Brissett and, and Garoppolo, well, I mean, Garoppolo got hurt, but when Brissett at one point was their starter during de- the Deflategate suspension, you're right. He didn't have the 30th best quarterback. He had, like, the 45th best quarterback. Yeah, okay. And what, they beat the Jets or something? I, it, they went 3-1. and one. Like, it's, to me, I'm not, like, I, I know, like... Num- they have a g- great defense in New England. Like, are we just going to ignore that? Like- no, you, I, I watch them by, like, watching the plays and watching the design. I don't, the numbers are whatever, whatever they are. The numbers can say what they want, because... That team, they don't, they don't go out there to try and like play fantasy football. They they try and manage the game and win the game and do what they need to do. Okay. Like, well, now now I got go ahead. I gotta I gotta address something you just said in a second because it that, that like was if you if you they go into different games trying to figure out how do we win this game. Like when they went into Arrowhead two years ago, they went in and said, now obviously they ended up winning differently with you know in overtime, but they went in saying we just gotta you know. We got to eat up clock and keep the ball away from Mahomes. Let's install a power running game with, with James Devlin and, and Sony Michelle and, and win that way. But then, like you know, maybe the year before they had to go win a, a shootout against the Steelers, or you know, at least they anticipated it'd be a shootout. So they threw it, you know, in the air plenty of times with with Edelman and and uh, and Hogan. He goes into different matchups with different ways to win, and you 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 see that it's a really good, well coached team. Right, on but, that but, unit. But but why do you think that's more McDaniels than it is the smartest quarterback in the history of football? Uh, because I think McDaniels has he oversees everything and, and Tom runs it the way they do it. Like that's I, 
I, I think. Do you yeah, know how that coaching? I think you're very much overrating Josh McDaniels' influence as opposed to Tom Brady. That's what I think. No and, doubt. And Tom, maybe I'm wrong. Listen, Tom Brady but, does a, a tremendous job executing it. He did it. Right, he did at least um, when he was with them. Um, I can't deny that, but that doesn't mean that the designs in the scheme look good. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say, look at look at this year down in Tampa Bay, and the fact that New England was str- or Tampa Bay was struggling uh, for most of the year. Then they had that game against New Orleans where it was a total dud. Um, they were doing a lot of the Arians stuff. Remember, Arians and Brady weren't seeing eye to eye. Watch their games. And and I, I know you, the shot you took at me earlier. Like, I'm not a football guy. You saying, well, I actually watch the games. I watch for Because well, you're busy watching the good friends Yeah, or you're, you're calling me. You're, 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 you said I wasn't a football guy. I'll take a, I take offense. You're a movie that. guy. I, I, I heard what you did there, and I don't I don't like it one bit, Mike. I'll just, I'll just say that. I, um, it sounds like, based on this conversation, I've watched McDaniel's more than you. No, I've I've watched Tom Brady. I've watched I've watched Tom Brady. You watch McDaniel's on the sidelines all you want, and and you know you think <laughs> McDaniel's is is the genius here. Um, but look at what Tampa Bay did this season when they were struggling. They were doing a lot of the Aryan stuff. They went back to doing what Tom Brady did in New England. So, Tom Brady runs that offense in New England. Tom Br- or Tom Brady now runs that offense Tampa. Tom Brady ran that offense in New England. Tom Brady is the coach, offensive coordinator. He is everything in regards to that. So offense. now you're trying to hold it against McDaniel's that Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and took some of their concepts and ran it successfully. Why does that count against them? That shouldn't. Hold, ca- that should count for him, not against them. I hold against Josh McDaniel's that. Tom Brady has succeeded with every offensive coordinator he's had, wherever he's been, any year he's had them. Josh McDaniels has not succeeded with every quarterback he's had other than Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's played playing without well, Josh He's succeeded with, with, you know, a handful of them outside of him. It's Obviously, he didn't, you know, he, what, he went 6-0 with Kyle Orton before it kind of slipped apart. Yeah, I mean, it slipped apart horribly because he lost his locker room. Uh, in, in in many ways. And okay. we'll get to that in a couple minutes here. And I'll go through Tom Brady's career without Josh McDaniels, and we'll look at that. But Tom, Brady's, you, like to. Tom Brady's quarterback coach was Josh McDaniels. Like, that's not... Just yeah, because yeah, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get turn, to it. We'll get, calm down. I know you're you're fired up about McDaniel's here. Are we not um, at it? I we'll look. We're at at, it. We'll look at the. We'll look at the year. I want you know. Do we have callers waiting? I want to get to them here. I, I don't want to you know leave people hanging all night. Um, but uh, we'll get to the the time McDaniel st- spent in Denver and the time he spent in St. Louis and what you know the Patriots were doing at that time and we'll compare it. Uh, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to Art in the Northeast. What's up, Art? Hey, TK. How's it going, man? Well, all right, buddy. Listen, I'm going to get to McDaniel last. First, I'm going to address uh, two other guys. I finally figured out why, and and this has been a tough one. Even national um, commentators have wondered why Worry puts up with Howie Roseman's. Um, you know, his, uh, there's, there's been a cr- critique of Howie Roseman, I being one of them, but now I figured out why Worry puts up with him, because Worry's such a meddler, we find out. His ego has gotten so big that he's got a medal in the running of the team, including uh, what the coaches' duties are, meaning picking who's going to play and everything. I think Peterson's a good coach. I don't think he's going to get a coach, uh, Rory, as good as Peterson was here with with the guys that uh, that are being brought up. I think 
Peterson's better than all of them. And I think the season that the Eagles had this year was strictly because of two people, Carson Wentz and Jeffrey Lurie. Um, I agree with you, Art. And I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go, no, I, you, no, yeah. And I, I, you know, I look at this season and I don't think Doug had a great season. Like, I'm not going to tell you Doug coached a great year. I don't think Doug will never coached. know because right. he I wasn't don't, given the opportunity right. to, to coach. No, I, and no, no, I agree. And I think he had his, all the strings for him. Uh, that's why he was so frustrated. He would come to the press conferences, Tom, and he would look so, and not because they lost the game, he looked like he was so, I, I don't know how to describe it, you could just see it in his face, and it wasn't because he was answering questions from the media. He was so wrought out. And yeah. And that, I, that happens when, when your boss is, is, is killing you. I think he was so relieved to to. To, to get out of here, to be honest with you, Maybe. but I can't. I can't stand uh, the owner of this team. I can't even root for the team uh, because oh, of. Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. Come that's, on, Art. That's the way I feel now. Uh, but Wentz is a joke. Uh, everything you said tonight. Uh, there's no debating it. He's a bad guy, just like you said. Yeah, I mean, He's that's... He's a bad guy that can't quarterback. He's terrible. That's the way I see it, Art. I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And, you know, I I look at it like like this. And Doug did have his legs cut out from under him in many ways. I mean, I don't know what he can do when he's, you know, the, the quarterback won't take coaching and won't, you know, um, respond to, to any of the coaching he's being given. Like, I, I don't know what Doug's supposed to do in that spot. Um... And yeah, I think even so, even with the bad year Doug had, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, going to tell you that Doug was good. I'm not going to tell you that Carson Wentz was the only problem. But I've been saying it all year that Carson Wentz was the biggest problem on this team. And all you have to do is, is, is watch the games. Um, as as uh, Mike told me to do. Man, I'm still reeling from that from that insult there. Uh, call me a non-football guy. That was that was hurtful. That was very hurtful. It's not an insult. Like if you if you want to be a football guy, I mean, if you want to be a movie guy, be a movie guy. I don't, you know, I'm not, you know. Okay, um, but no, you 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 look at and Carson Wentz was the biggest problem, and he cost this team games. Um, cost this team significant uh, games early in the season. Washington, Cincinnati, Cleveland, uh, the three games that if Carson Wentz just plays somewhat mediocre, this team's season is is dramatically different. Let's go to Daryl and Cherry Hill. What's up there? Hello. Yo, Daryl, what's up? Yeah, how you doing, Tom? Good, how are you? <laughs> uh, fine, thank you. Um, my my question is that, well, not question. Carson Wentz has, has proven in the last three years that he's just an average quarterback. I believe that article um, that McLean wrote, I, only because of his progress. And when you have a quarterback that does not follow a coach's directions, it's, it's a problem. And it, it maturated into team members not liking Carson Wentz. Now, my question also is that uh, Watson is, is complaining he's not happy. He wants out of Houston. Yes. Do you think that there could be a trade for, for Watson, a flip-flop? Well, the more it, the more this evolves, the more it sounds like Watson. Like, there's a legit chance 
he could get traded considering how bad it is with him in the organization. The problem Mm -hmm. is, Daryl, and I think the Eagles should be interested. I mean, I think pretty much, um, you know, three-quarters of the league should be interested. The problem is I don't think the Eagles are going to have enough to offer as some other teams. Like, you know, you look at the Jets, you look at the Dolphins. There are a lot of other teams with with much um, better draft pick situations moving forward where I I don't think the Eagles are going to have the ammunition to ultimately get to Sean Watson. Hope I'm wrong. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And McDaniels, I don't particularly want McDaniels. What's wrong with Deuce? Yeah, no, the Daryl Deuce is is interesting. I honestly wouldn't hate it at this point. Like I really wouldn't hate uh promoting Deuce Staley who can be a leader and that's what this team needs in my mind more than anything right now. Somebody yeah, a leader. Gonna, who's a somebody's leader. gonna lead and fix the culture. The only problem with a guy like Deuce is he's probably not calling plays, he's probably not running the offense, and then you're kind of in a situation where you're running through a revolving door of offensive coordinators, and then that's that's a tough situation to be in. What, what is Tomlin? Uh, what, what is what? Tomlin. Mike Tomlin and Pittsburgh. Yeah, what about he's him? He's not the offensive coordinator, he's not the defensive coordinator. He's right. the head coach. Right. Um, yeah, but the, the problem is, I mean, they... they you need a good offensive coordinator. They, I'd say they haven't had great offensive coordinators there since Bruce Arians, um, who they lost to a head coaching job, and ultimately right. that's why they haven't uh, gotten back to the Super Bowl. But the, so. yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, but again, I mean, the Eagles could have have that type of structure. Again, let's go back to um, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a culture. They've had three coaches in forty years. Yeah, and the, uh, and the reason why, in my estimation, is because they have a culture. They don't change their culture. They run the ball. They run the ball in great defense. Then they get good receivers to go with a good quarterback. That makes them a great team. Yeah, no, I got you, Daryl. I appreciate the call. I mean, Pittsburgh really doesn't run the ball all that much. They they are actually very pass heavy. If I'm it, correct, it, but Mike, you're the one who's watching the game, so you let me know. Yeah, I think. Roethlisberger threw like sixty six times uh, last game. Like that's well, yeah, well, they were also down twenty eight nothing in like the first five minutes of the game. Uh, all right, you I, I any... watched that. I watched that one. Okay, you, 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 wanna, you wanna pick? Yeah, good for you. You wanna <laughs> you must have money on it or something. You pick any other? <laughs> I uh, did, by the way. <laughs> you pick any other uh, like Roethlisberger game? I don't really. You're not really seeing a whole lot of James Conner. You know, forty five carries. Yeah. Games. Um, Sorry, I was just I was just going through these Brady uh, stats without a uh, without McDaniel's here. Yeah, not great. I, I those no, th- not great. We'll get to it when we get back. We got let's let's hit the break here, and we'll we'll do it when we get back. Right, I was gonna say too that he, we'll he, pick he, this up on the other side. Is um, did, like was Deuce Staley not here last year? Like he's a part of the Eagles culture. Like let's not forget that. Right, but yeah, no, he was. Um, but you'd hope that the Eagles would empower their next coach to actually coach the team and not you know um be in Doug's shoes where Doug really. Uh, had less say than the quarterback. Like, yeah, it's just if we're going to reset the Eagles' culture, let's not just keep going down notches until we find like, like let's just go somebody uh, somewhere else. Yeah, uh, but that's the thing. I'm not going to Josh McDaniels, and we'll talk about his culture coming up. Um, because I'll go through some of the, this story uh, that I saw ahead of when he was supposed to take the indie job before he pulled out of that and burned more bridges uh, within the NFL. But this guy to me has Chip Kelly 2.0 written all over him. And we'll talk about that a little bit when we get back. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. Um, and uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll get back to some more things from the Jeff McClain piece, including a an interesting uh, thing that Jeff had to say. He came on with Angelo and the morning team at 8 yesterday. Uh, very good interview. Um, and one thing that he said uh, that <laughs> is troubling. In regards to Carson Wentz, regardless of the new coaches, especially if it's um, Josh McDaniels. But I'll get to some of these notes um, from this story I read detailing Josh McDaniels' time in Denver, which sounds a lot like the guy we had here from 2013 to 2015. It really does. And that's what I see when I look at Josh McDaniels. I see Chip Kelly 2.0. And it's a problem Jeffrey Lurie has when it comes to the Eagles, when they feel like they have to make a change, they feel like they have to go in the complete opposite direction where the whole thing with um, Doug, when they went to Doug and went away from chip was they wanted a guy who would connect with players, emotional intelligence. We made fun of the term over and over again. But that is what the Eagles felt like they needed to address because that was obviously a major issue within the locker room under Chip is that players didn't like him, players didn't trust him. And, you know, that created a culture within the team that was unhealthy. And for a team right now that has culture issues because of their spoiled brat quarterback, you need a guy who's going to come in and be a, a leader. Somebody who's going to find a way to coalesce this locker room again and get everybody back on the same page. Josh McDaniels is not the guy to do that. And I just see so many red flags when it comes to Josh McDaniels. And that's, even if he is the brilliant offensive mind uh, that some producers at WIP think he is. Um, I didn't know. I was just testing to see if you're listening, Mike. You are. You, yeah, passed, well, you passed the test. Well, maybe you say something I'll disagree with, then I'll jump in. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, but, you know, even if you think he's a brilliant offensive mind, there's still a lot of red flags in regards to McDaniels. I don't think he's a brilliant offensive mind. I think he's a, a, a an offensive coordinator who has been carried throughout his career by the best head coach in the history of football and the best quarterback in the history of football. Um, not to say, you know, he did nothing, but I'm not sure how much he actually did. And I would not entrust the future of my franchise to Josh McDaniels based on that, but also based on his history, um, as a head coach and his history in dealing with people. And I need to get to some of this, these details from the story that I read on Josh McDaniels and his time in Denver here. Granted, it was Yeah, 10 years ago, could a guy change over the course of a decade, I suppose? But in general, I think you pretty much are who you are. I mean, in your early 30s, which is where I am now, I think I'm pretty much fully formed as a person. I don't see myself changing a lot, which could could be, uh, could disappoint you, Mike. I know you'd (laughs) like to see me evolve a little bit, but I just don't see it happening. You think your maturity level has been unchanged since 2009? No, no, mine mine has, but at that point, I was That's how far back we're going yeah at that point i was 21 there's big difference between being in your early 20s and your early 30s when you're in your early 20s you're a complete idiot like i i don't uh, I, at least i was i i wouldn't even want to see myself maybe my 31 was the new 21 20. for josh mcdaniels <laughs> maybe but 
Um, just I want to get to some of these details from this story here, where Josh McDaniels in Denver is described as somebody who was power hungry, um, wanted full control over the roster. That was one of his things um, that he demanded. First move, trading the franchise quarterback and Jay Cutler. After he pissed him off. Yeah, after he he annoyed him, got under his skin. And I'm not telling you Jay Cutler's a great guy. He is not. Um, Jay Cutler does not seem like an easy person to get along with. Neither does Josh McDaniels. But, uh, you know, the reporting is that he went to Denver and acted like he was Bill Belichick and thought he deserved the same kind of respect, the same kind of credibility that Bill Belichick had. And that is, and they they describe him as somebody who was like a dog marking his territory all over the organization. Not flattering. Not something that I would look for in my head coach. Um, made some terrible personnel decisions. Drafting no Sean Marino. Drafting Tim Tebow. So that would tell you he's not a great evaluator of talent. And here's another passage. Basically, McDaniels thought he was bulletproof as the former protege of an actual living legend. And that mentality ultimately got him burned. People don't really remember this, but the last straw that got McDaniels fired in Denver was when the team got caught filming a San Francisco 49ers walkthrough. So he's also got integrity issues to go along with his issues as far as the players not liking him. Um, Apparently the players, a lot of the players on the team said he was... Um, they've never met a coach. They've never played for a coach that they've wanted to play for less. They've never played for a coach that they have respected less than Josh McDaniels, that they have liked less than Josh McDaniels. And by 2010, his final season, um, his message had fallen on deaf ears uh, because of how he treated people. And any team that signs that does hire McDaniels must guard against giving him too much power. There must be a checks and balances system. And in doing so, uh, maybe he could become a more efficient head coach. But you hear all of that. Who does it sound like to you? A guy, you can't give him too much power even though he's going to demand a lot of power. A, a, a guy who players don't like, players don't respect, players don't want to play hard for. Who does this sound like to you? I'll tell you who it sounds like to me. And it sounds like the guy I couldn't wait to get out of this town. And we all couldn't wait for him to get out of this town. Sounds a lot like Chip Kelly, doesn't it? Like everything. As far as his first stint in Denver went exactly how Chip's first stint went in Philadelphia. Exactly the same. Trade the franchise quarterback. Um, wait, wait, you know, wait, 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 take control wait, wait. personnel. When did Chip have a franchise quarterback? Nick Foles traded him for Sam Bradford. A franchise quarterback? Yeah, well, bad trade. Bad trade of a franchise quarterback. Um, Stop it. Seized power. Took it from the GM. Um, players didn't respect him. Players didn't like him. Players didn't want to play for him. It sounds to me very reminiscent of Chip. And this is the problem with the Eagles in so many ways is they are always looking to go the complete opposite direction when things go wrong. When Chip was ousted, they wanted a player's coach. They wanted a guy who was going to be a leader, a guy that would command respect. That's what they had in Doug. 
You have one bad season underdog after three playoff seasons, including one Super Bowl win. And now you're going to go the complete opposite direction again and bring in another power-hungry guy who's going to come in. Because I don't... Uh, does anybody think Josh McDaniels and Howie Roseman are going to be wor- working well together? I don't. Well, that's the point of what you interview him for. You get a sense of it. Yeah, I, 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 don't see, I don't see it. I mean, you can interview a guy for a day. That doesn't mean you know who he is. I, I don't understand. So, like, this... You're saying the Eagles go the opposite way. That's your thing here. Wouldn't if they're going the opposite way from Doug? I don't think they would bring in a, another accomplished offensive play caller. They would bring in some old defensive guy. That would be the opposite of Doug. No, I'm talking about from a personality standpoint. You're not bringing in a guy who is known for his leadership and known for getting along with players and his relationships with players. You're bringing in a guy because you like his schemes and you like his, his offensive mind and and this kind of stuff. And I disagree. Um, but that's what they like. Um, I think this team needs a leader. Like, I think this team needs somebody who's going to bring a fractured locker room back together. If you're going to bring Carson Wentz back, uh, what uh, kind of evidence do you have First of all, I don't think the locker room will welcome Carson back, but you're bringing Josh McDaniels. John- Josh McDaniels is going to be the bridge between Carson Wentz and the locker room, a guy that doesn't get along with players. I don't could be. I don't see that working out at all. Could be. Um, I mean, it could, but there's really no evidence to suggest it will. So I think you're right that the Eagles could use a leader. That's certainly a, a very you know a more than fair avenue to go down. But I think there's a couple ways that they can get back to fixing this team, if you will, like. One avenue is that. You're right. You reunite the team. They all rally around each other. and Maybe they rally around Jalen Hurts, and it goes that way. The other way, and I, you know, going off the Eagles' actions, this is just what we're here to love to kind of infer. It seems like they are choosing this path of, okay, we have this $34 million cap hit in Carson Wentz. We are hell-bent on trying it yet again. Just We owe it to ourselves because we made this investment. Um, so we're going to try and coach Carson Wentz up. How can we get the team good again with Carson Wentz? Well, we have to fix Carson Wentz and get him you know, back on track. Who can we do that with? Well, we need a really, really good, strong quarterback coach or offensive coordinator or just offensive mind that can like kind of kick Wentz in the ass. and then Because you know what? I think, too, that they're banking on if Carson Wentz gets the Eagles off to like a 4-2 and two start and like they're looking pretty good offensively, you know, maybe 10 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, normal stats – then I think the locker room will will overlook last year. Like they'll get over it. Yeah. And I think that the Eagles are banking on if we fix this quarterback, we have a path to uniting this whole team all over again. Maybe. Um I I I don't think it's that simple. Uh you could be right. I could be overrating it, but I think there are wounds in that locker room between Carson Wentz's teammates that can't be repaired. Um, I, I, that's just the way I see it. And I don't think Josh McDaniels is the guy uh to bridge that gap. And also I don't think Josh McDaniels is, you know, uh, a great fit with Carson Wentz. And when we get back, Phil, you'll be first after the break. But then we'll get to some comments um, uh, from Jeff McLean uh, that he made on the morning show this morning. uh, Because I think there are a lot of things here that indicate that Josh McDaniels and him being paired with Carson Wentz are are not, that's not a relationship that I think is going to go very well. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, in a couple minutes, Mike and I have to go back and forth on a little Josh McDaniels history, which I've just been looking up his history, and I got to I got to dispel some some myths here that Mike is Mike is misinformed the audience. So we're gonna get, get, give it a second, Mike. I know you're. I've never seen you. I have never seen you more passionate about anything than your love of Josh McDaniels. I, I've what, talked about him for how years. Has this like I've been loved a secret them. for so long. No, it's not been a secret. Like whenever I talk about the Patriots, I make it clear. I say Belichick and McDaniels. I don't just leave one without the other. I always say both of them. Like this actually came up a lot when Brady left them. I would always, always, always give him credit. Okay, this is uh, this is just odd. This is an odd, fa- fascinating. You're like a Wentz apologist for McDaniel's. You're like uh, I'm not an apologist. Like it's it's only come up because he's it, like I actually said last week to Rob, um, the the best candidate would obviously be McDaniel's, but it doesn't even seem like they're going to talk to him. So I didn't even like give him any effort to like love him. Up. Like I've always just kind of known him as the guy there. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess I just I mean I I think he's a I think he is. You're looking for reasons uh, to not hire. No, I mean, I, I, I would rather hire Eric Bieniemy. I'd rather hire somebody um, who actually produces good head coaches. Um, Andy Reid produces good head coaches. Bill Belichick doesn't. He, he hasn't. Maybe Flores, and he Flores yeah. hasn't made playoffs yet. Well, and that team collapsed down the stretch because he got forced to play a quarterback because they had a, the third overall pick. They had to see if the quarterback was good. I mean, they still didn't make the playoffs, so uh, you know, re- record speaks for itself. You look at Andy—I mean, it's Brian Flores' fault. Fitzpatrick got COVID. You look—you look at um, Andy Reid's coaching tree. That's littered with with successors. You know why? Because Andy Reid, uh, he creates a situation where coaches can learn how to be successful head coaches. In New England, Bill Belichick runs the entire show. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady—that has been their organization for twenty bleeping years and everybody else is just a support to those two that's the way it's been tom's more on the employee side than he is on the management side no no, you're you're mischaracterizing so you're giving mcdaniels more credit than brady is that's what you want that's the route you want to go here more credit for what for putting the playbook together or for throwing their success offensively Um, i I mean don't even i don't know it's tough don't even no it's not tough it's it's really not uh, yeah, Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. It is not. It is not. Tough. I agree with that, but I'm. I'm not. That doesn't mean that the offensive coordinator was useless. Okay, I mean Tom Brady won two Super Bowls without him. I mean, well, McDaniel's even six working rings. with him. Uh, okay, so does Tom Brady. Two, well, one, don't say he's won without him. <laughs> they have the same amount of rings. <laughs> okay, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to Phil Wilmington. What's up, Phil? Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How's it going? Good. Good. Um... I just listened to a couple things you were saying this morning, and you talk about people changing. I mean, I, I would definitely look at you know Pete Carroll going going away and coming back um, as a as a great example. And then I would also you talked about being in your 30s and not changing. I mean, I I know I've changed a lot in my 20s and then into my 30s, and I'm not the same person I was in my 30s that I am in my 40s. I think maturity and time takes a toll on all of us. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the ability to really even see that in your 30s until you get into your 40s. At 44, it's amazing how much your job kind of shapes you into the person that you always wanted to be, not the person that you are. Uh, I'm not getting all philosophical and stuff, but it's just, it's just reality. You see it in coaches as well. I mean, Andy Reid wasn't the same coach in his 30s as he is now 
in his late 50s, early 60s. I mean, things change in the way you deal with players change, and I think age has a lot to do with that. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be successful in business and have numerous employees over the course of my lifetime. And the way I handled those people and the way I interacted with those people that worked with me in my 20s is extremely different than my 40s. And there's regrets along the way, but you learn from those. Not to go- going to be the per- I mean, I mean, I don't know if we'll be the perfect coach for Carson Wentz. I really have no idea. Is he the best candidate on the market right now? Yes, because I think he's failed in Denver, and I think it's been highlighted everywhere. And I think it's an embarrassment that people live with, and you, anybody that's ever been successful has failed. I mean, Bill Belichick failed as a coach. He became a pretty damn good one. So, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm not here to say Carson Wentz is the answer. I would love to see him go. But if you bring in someone that's going to give him a system to be successful in and he fails again, then you obviously know it's Carson Wentz's problem. I think the Eagles are rolling the dice by doing it because they they lose the ability to trade him. But they got to get a coach in here that can coach football. And they're running out of opportunities. No, I hear you, Phil, and you make some good points. And I was, you know, half in jest about being fully formed in oh, your thirties. Yeah. But no, I, I think you make some good points um, in, in terms of the kind of coach the Eagles need if they're going to move forward with Wentz. Which you know, uh, whatever your feelings are on that. But but what do you think of McDaniel's? Are you are, are you willing to give him a chance? Do you think that would be a good fit here? I do. I think that they miss the creativity of Frank Wright. I think they miss the creativity and the offensive scheme. They, they've definitely grown stale. Now, if you look at the article Jeff McClain came out, a lot of that had to do with Carson Wentz killing plays. You know, we don't know, can't go back in time and look at it. I mean, was Jalen Hurts good? I think he was good for a game, okay for another one, and kind of indeterminate in the last one. Um, Will he be good next year? I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't. I don't think Carson Wentz, though, from everything we've seen, will be good with having Jalen Hurts back up or do well with the quarterback controversy because it doesn't feel like he has it between years to do it. And that's just what we've all seen on TV. Yeah. Not even what comes out of the locker room. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to see him get traded and get something for him while we have the opportunity and let it let a quarterback coach, be it McDaniels or the guy from Kansas City, come in and work with Hurts. And if it doesn't work, then so be it. Yeah, no. I, I just don't. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I hear you, Phil. And I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And yeah, I, I mean, I, the one thing Phil brings up there is um, in terms of Wentz not being okay with Hurts coming back. And I know Phil wasn't saying that that's something that the Eagles should um, worry about, but. You know, I have heard people talk about that aspect of it. If the Eagles trade Jalen Hurts this offseason, I'll just be infuriated. Like, if if the Eagles trade Jalen Hurts, which, whatever you think of the pick last year, and whatever you thought about it at the time, fine. I didn't like the pick at the time. I I didn't think it made sense considering their needs and considering um, the players available and uh, what, you know, they could have addressed in terms of the roster. But considering we saw this year, it looks like it's a good pick. I mean, Jalen Hurts demonstrated a legitimate upside that, uh, you know, you have an insurance policy now for Carson Wentz if he plays poorly, and you can't be certain 
that he is going to return to being a, a, a starting level quarterback. And if they trade Jalen Hurts to appease Carson Wentz, it would just be unbelievable. It really would be. Um, if that's the route they go, and <laughs> the Eagles better not do that. They better not trade Jalen Hurts this offseason. It's hard to imagine them getting a better pick than a second-round pick for him. No, they, if that's the case, then it's useless. Don't do it. Well, the, well, that the only reason they would do it is to is to yeah. play Kate Carson. They wouldn't be doing it because it's the best football decision. There's no way they could even justify that. Well, if, if they get the fifth overall pick, it is. But yeah, but you're not going to get that, obviously. So yeah, I mean, unless you're getting a first round pick, uh, there's no reason to do that. Let's go to Kent in West Philly. What's up, Kent? Hello. Hey, Kent. What's going on? Hey, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I had to call and I'm listening to y'all argue about Josh McDaniels and I just don't understand the infatuation with this guy like you just went over a lot of the stuff that he did in Denver and I think people forget he's really the reason why we lost Frank Wright I mean the Indianapolis Post interviewed Frank Wright for the job then they ultimately went with Josh McDaniels he hired a whole staff and everything then out of the blue just randomly pulled out and said he was going back to New England which then had them come back to pull Frank Wright from us yeah, he did. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, Kent. And and you know, not only not only that part of it, but you know, you look at that the effect around the NFL after that. Uh, he burnt a lot of bridges with a lot of people. He assembled a whole staff, and you know, a lot of guys are lucky that Frank Reich decided to keep them on because there could have been a lot of, of people left without a job because of what Josh McDaniels did. Yes, they moved their families. They changed their whole plans based off of. This guy accepting a head coach job, telling him, y'all going to be my staff, and then turn around, burn them all. So to me, that also just proves the point that he's probably had some deep changing over the last 10 years. Kind of seems like probably still the same a-hole that he was when he was in Denver with all the power struggling moves he was doing there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just don't know how you can trust a guy like that, Ken. I, I just don't. I, I would, and then also, I mean, he may have some innovative passing concepts, and he worked with Tom Brady, and you definitely have to count the fact that it was with Tom Brady. But still, my point is, right now, the whole team, you already have the reports about Carson and all the stuff and the culture surrounding him. Now you want to bring in another guy who, when you look at the difference between, y'all were saying about Andy Reid's coaches and Bill Belichick's coaching tree, I think... Bill Belichick's coaching tree fell so much because they want to be Bill Belichick, but they don't have the credibility and the resume that Bill Belichick has. Like, you can't just go into a franchise and you look at Matt Patricia, what he did in in Detroit, and why him and Darius Slay, who also is on our team now, didn't get along at all, and a lot of players didn't like him. He thought he could just walk in the franchise with a pencil in his head and just go in there and yell at everybody and say all this stuff like he was Bill Belichick. Right. But then you go out there and the team sucks. And it was the same thing with Eric Mangini. It was the same thing with Josh McDaniels in Denver, with Brian Flores in Miami so far. I mean, that situation like it's getting better. But it's the same thing with all of Bill Belichick. Um, the guy in Houston, what was his name? Bill uh, O'Brien. Coach I got fired. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Same thing with him. They, You got Deshaun Watson wanting to get the hell out of there now because – Nobody there liked that situation. He traded away all the good players. Every single person that came from Bill Belichick, it's like they have a they try to be him and they go to franchises and try to exert this power over them, but they don't have the credibility. The only one who looks promising so far is Joe Judge. Yeah, you know, I disagree with that one, Ken. I'm not a Joe Judge guy. Uh, I, I'm not a Joe Judge right. guy either. I just he's the only one that looks like yeah, he might I, even have 
I think Some Flores. People. Yeah, Flores is doing a nice job. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I think with Andy Reid, his coach is like he teaches them how to be successful, how to be a player's coach, get to respect the players. So not only do they have the good concepts also of like the innovating offense and all of that, but they also are people, people's person. Like they can get there and talk to their players and understand them as men and get them to trust and respect them and want to sacrifice for them, not just go there and say, you're going to do this because I'm telling you to do so. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Ken. Uh, appreciate the call. And yeah, I think uh, a lot of that stuff is valid. And, and you know, I don't think like – we can look at, and obviously part of the who's going to be a successful head coach from what coaching tree, part of that is, uh, you know, coincidental. Part of it is random. Part of it, you know, you, you can't solely base things on that. But when you have all this evidence that every coach who has ever coached under Bill Belichick has failed miserably elsewhere. Every wait, single wait, one, wait, wait, wait. except for Flores. Flores is in his second year. Like he's let, let's 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 calm down before we give him some kind of award. Here. Well, before you throw out, you know, failed miserably, whatever you just said. Like, yeah, de- define that. What do you mean by that? Like they had no chance of, they had they no had semblance success? of success. No, Bill O'Brien wasn't a zero. Like, come on. Bill O'Brien, look at what he did to that organization. As general manager. Yeah. Know why? Because every Bill Belichick disciple goes somewhere else and thinks they're Bill Belichick. Bill O'Brien demanded all of the kind of say that Bill Belichick had, just like Josh McDaniels did, just like Eric Mangini did. What what am I saying? Let's be accurate with what happened. Bill O'Brien's general manager's wife got cancer and got ill. The general manager had to step down from being general manager. For whatever, Bill O'Brien had already had an, enough success and enough clout in the building that they made a miscalculated decision and made him general manager. I'll give you that. He shouldn't have been general manager. They didn't see eye to eye before that. I mean, go look at Rick Smith and, and Bill O'Brien did not get along. Okay, but that doesn't mean he was a, a miserable failure or whatever you call him as head coach of the Texans. He just wasn't. Like, that's, that's a mischaracterization. If you're calling him, if you're saying Bill O'Brien's tenure in Houston was a Terrible, whatever. Well, considering the outcome, I mean, he's ripped the organization apart. He traded DeAndre Hopkins, and now they're going to lose Sean Watson. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously they should have handled the GM job better. It, like, it, it's been a disaster. It, the outcome is disaster. Not because of his job as a coach, though. If you end up, yeah, but this, Mike, this is what I'm telling you. This is just, just calm down for a second. Just listen to what I'm saying. I, I think of the two of us. I'm this is calm. what happens with every. Belichick disciple is every Belichick disciple thinks they are Belichick every single one it's what happened to Mangini with the Jets it's what happened to O'Brien with the Texans it's what happened to Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame every single one and Uh, you can even throw Chip in there as well because Chip was a Belichick guy not really he was he was a consultant for like what for one playoff game he, 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 Bill Belichick and Chip Kelly have been friends for years. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call him a, like, he, he didn't work for Chip. So, um, you don't, so, think- like, do you think Romeo Cronell went in there and, like, started kicking ass and, like, like telling the Chiefs how things need to be wrong? Like, I don't think it's, it's, it, I don't know. I just think it's crazy to make a blanket statement like, but that. like, all of them do, like, you go through all of them. They don't. You don't think there's any evidence, like, you think it's totally random why all Belichick's coaches fail and all Andy's coaches succeed, pretty well, much. How many, what, Doug's the only one that has a ring? No, I mean Harbaugh. Oh, you're right, Harbaugh. I forgot about Harbaugh. I mean, uh, and, and McDermott's done a tremendous job. 
Like, you look at all Vandy's coaches. They've all done good jobs. Brad Childress was in a championship game. Like, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously, and Belichick's had disciples that have done well, too. Like, you know. But he hasn't. Well, yeah, I mean, Saban's made a good name for himself. I know yeah, he didn't. Saban's in I know he didn't get a quarterback in, in Miami, but he, he was terrible in the pros. He wasn't terrible. He, he was terrible. I mean, no, he the, wasn't. I mean, uh, just, I'm looking it up right now. I don't think he was terrible. All right, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. We'll get back to this after the break, and we'll go through the Josh McDaniels career here because I got to dispel some myths um, in terms of when Josh McDaniels uh, worked with Tom Brady. And uh, how instrumental he was in Tom Brady's uh, success early in his career, because um, uh, I got to dispel uh, some something that was said earlier. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. As you heard right there, uh, Doug Peterson Appreciation Day is on Wednesday. Uh, I will be in Wednesday night into Thursday morning. So we'll do our Doug Peterson Appreciation Day um, on Wednesday night. So we'll do uh, the postgame show uh, for Doug uh, Appreciation Day on Wednesday into Thursday. Count down some of the best wins in Doug Peterson uh, in his tenure here in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, a ton of other stuff. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll plan stuff out over the next couple of days and we'll have it uh, all ready for Wednesday night. So it should be a, a, a fun show. But right now talking about the next Eagles coach. And right now all roads seem to be leading to Josh McDaniels. And uh, Mike and I disagree on this strongly, as you've heard in the last hour or so. Uh, I think this has Chip Kelly 2.0 written all over it. Everything you read about him, everything you you see from his history in Denver, what he did in Indianapolis, which was incredibly unprofessional. Um, the guy doesn't have a lot of allies around the NFL. Um, the guy doesn't have a great, certainly not a great track record as a head coach in the NFL. His time in Denver um, went pretty much exactly how chips went in Philadelphia. Um, it was uh, him wanting to be power hungry, him going in there demanding full control, and him not getting along with players. Players quoted as saying, I've never respected a coach less than Josh McDaniels. And that's not the kind of coach I want in here. I think the Eagles need something different. I think the Eagles need somebody who is going to Bring this locker room together. A locker room that, I mean, when you have anonymous reports, valid or not, and I think at this point there's so many out there that they're valid uh, about the quarterback, you need somebody who's going to bring a locker room together. And if the Eagles hire a guy like Josh McDaniels, with the track record he has, um, with the 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 lack of success that he has as a head coach, um, you're going to have a lot of guys in that locker room already looking at Josh McDaniels sideways and thinking, okay, well, you hired him for one guy. You didn't hire him for what's best for the football team. You got rid of the coach who was best for the football team, and you hired the guy who's best for Carson. So immediately, uh, that's not going to be a good situation to put him in. Wait a minute. Who's of the three of them, Biennemi, McDaniels, and Staley, who's had the most success as a head coach? Uh, the other guys haven't had an opportunity. Yet. Right, so you can't... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you. Can, I mean, come on, Mike. Now you're just yeah, grasping but, uh, at straws here. I no, mean, my point is you can't hold that against McDaniels. The fact that, you know, what his first time as a coach, he went 8-8 eight and eight or whatever. Like, that's not... You don't hold that against him when you're comparing him to, like, Deuce Staley. Right, but, but I mean, the other guys haven't had an opportunity, so we don't know how they'd be as a head coach. You at least have some information with Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Yeah, and the information's not good. You use it in a, in a negative uh, against them. Well, it it should be a negative. He did a terrible job. I mean, he didn't. Do ter- he went eight and eight. Okay, he went eight and eight. I mean, the players hated him, and he got fired after two years. You, you okay. think that's good? Players hate uh, most okay. coaches. Okay, they they don't like. That's not true. <laughs> I think it, it, it's it's just not true. Um, but I don't even think this is going to be a good marriage with Carson Wentz here. And um. You know, I I want to get back to this aspect of it, and we'll get to the McDaniel's part in a second. But uh, Carson Wentz and his issues with coachability, and this was I thought the 
most relevant part of the Jeff McClain piece when you talk about Carson and him not responding to the coaching that he's been given. And uh, this was from Jeff McClain's article here. Um, there are some Eagles who supported Wentz throughout the season and some who continued to defend him after the season, but a sentiment among various coaches and players was that he needed to do a better job taking the external and internal blows for the team, even if he wasn't at fault. That's leadership, and best and the best do it almost instinctively, because when there is another mistake, a dra- drop pass or a full start, for example, he can go back up to the player, privately tell him that he needs to clean up his performance. In the quarterback room, when his el- errors were pointed out, Wentz would sometimes make irrelevant excuses, and Press Taylor wouldn't correct him. For instance, there would be a play when he didn't throw to an open receiver, the read was drawn up as designed, coverage played out as expected, and he would be asked why he didn't pull the trigger, Wentz would say the look wasn't there, or he would overemphasize the pass rush. And when it was suggested the play be run again in practice as to get it right, he would object. I mean, that part of it is just insane. That he would not run plays again in practice when they're not being executed. I mean, that shouldn't be Carson Wentz's decision. Your coach tells you to run the play again, you run the play again. But you hear the excuses that he would make. And it's pretty funny because I went back to right after that Cleveland game. We played you some sound from last night. Uh, But, you know, I went back and listened to some of the comments after that game. And I'll play a couple for you right now. Because... um, The instances that were pointed out of Wentz making excuses when mistakes were made uh, weren't just privately. They were um, out in the open in these press conferences. And we, you know, if you're paying attention, you would have seen it at the time. I brought this up way back when it happened after the Cleveland game. But here was Carson Wentz. Uh, If you remember, the game's tied, nothing, nothing. Um, Carson Wentz is hit on a play, balls intercepted, run back for a touchdown. Here was Carson Wentz describing what happened on that play. The last part of the question, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't want to float it out there um, the way that happens. Anytime you get hit when you throw, it's a it's a bad feeling. It's a bad feeling because, you know, the ball is just kind of floating in the air. You're hoping it falls to the ground. But um, I'll have to go back and watch the tape. I mean, we were trying to uh, do something against that specific coverage, and it wasn't there, so I was just trying to check it down and um, got hit on it. So unfortunate there. I mean, you're right there. I mean, to, they, Jeff McLean says in the piece um, that they said he would overemphasize the pass rush. Right there, twice in the 20-second clip, he says, ah, I got hit. I got hit when I threw. Uh, it wasn't my fault. When that was a play where Carson Wentz held the ball too long, if you remember the play, he had Jalen Rager wide open along the sideline, for some reason didn't throw it, and, you know, that's why he got hit. He was waiting for the check down to develop. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but here's more. Here's another one from Carson Wentz when asked whether he was hesitating. No, not at all. I haven't changed. I mean, I'm trying to be smart and all that, but as far as hesitation, when I see a guy open, I'm cutting it loose. And so um, the pick six, that's that's unfortunate. Guy made a good play by adding um, and bringing the blitz off the edge. And uh, obviously getting hit on, on that, like I said, is, is not ideal with the ball floating in there. But they made a good play there. And um, the other ones, no. I mean, I, I'm not hesitating. I, I you know, I, they made some plays too. And ideally, I get the ball out there quicker. But you know, it was unfortunate um, to be in the end zone there and taking that sack. But um, you know, hats off to them. They made a good play. 
And you hear it, and it's all the things that have been talked about. He's saying in these press conferences, yeah, I got hit. What do you want me to do? And I, I don't hear many quarterbacks after games and take a responsibility. They're not pointing out the issues of their teammates as to why they're failing. Here's one more from Carson Wentz uh, when asked about why the offense wasn't getting better at that time. It's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to give some credit to that defense. You know, they, they made some plays, um, no excuses on the conditions, but, that, you know, it, it made it tough. And then some of the turnovers and different things, um, you know, we can be better and we can. And, you know, we left some plays out there, but, but they made more than us today. And um, it's hard to put my finger on exactly what went wrong fully. Uh, I know one of the big ones is third downs. You know, last weekend, this week, we've really struggled on third down and, and finding a way to stay on the field is um, really been our, you know, our name of the game over the years. And, you know, that's, that's how we need to be as an offense. And we're, we're not sustaining drives and staying on the field. So that's something we're going to have to take a hard look at. You know, I'm, I'm right there, making an excuse about the conditions. And it, it's what he's done all year. Like, again, um, all this stuff in this Jeff McLean article, if you've been paying attention, it's really not all that shocking. It's not. Uh, we've heard in the press conferences all season long in regards to the excuse making. And, um, you know, last night with Carson saying, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do anything differently. Um, it's all been there uh, if you're if you're paying attention and, and, and you're listening to it. And another part is the hes- is the inability or the unwillingness to accept hard coaching. And, you know, th- there's a lot been made over this obvi- uh, over the years um, with the loss of Frank Reich, the loss of John Filippo, And they were guys who, by reports, would get on Carson and um, push him hard uh, and coach him hard. And that is, in some ways, a an aspect, an element that has been lacking ever since they've left. That Doug has tried it. Uh, Carson's pushed back. Apparently, Mike Groh tried it. And I think that that's one guy that we got to look at and reevaluate how he was viewed here because I think Mike Groh actually did a pretty decent job, all things considered. Um, that Carson, you know, wouldn't, um, you know, take to hard coaching. And that is why Press Taylor uh, was ineffective as his kind of personal coach because Carson would pretty much steamroll and walk all over Press Taylor. And if you want Josh McDaniels and you think Josh McDaniels is the guy, Josh McDaniels is a coach that, by all reports, will come in and... uh coach hard and you know tom curran who is uh, of nbc sports boston he was a guest the afternoon show um on monday and he talked about that fact and how a mcdaniels and wentz relationship might end up uh, working out So, you know, even if if you think McDaniels is the guy, and maybe that's what Carson Wentz needs. Like, maybe Carson Wentz needs somebody who will coach him hard, and maybe, and again, 
this could be in a situation where the Eagles think the dug route didn't work. You go with somebody like McDaniels, and maybe he can, um, I, I guess, get more out of them. But this, uh, you know, I, I stayed up and listened to the Jeff McClain interview this morning with the morning show. And um, Jeff McClain said something really, uh, you know, interesting in regards to Carson, and I think wildly concerning as far as that possibility being brought up that maybe the Eagles would hire somebody that would coach Carson hard because that's what he needs. Um, but here was Jeff McClain as far as the perception within the Eagles organization, how Carson would respond to that kind of coaching. Now, if the guy can't be coached, like, again, and the article said he didn't respond to coaching this year, but if you think, if you bring in a coach that's going to coach him hard, he's going to crumble, then he can't be your guy. Like, it's really not that hard. It's not that complicated. And um, I just hope Jeffrey Lurie understands what he's doing here. I mean, that you're going to build around this guy and you're going to try to resurrect this guy who I don't think you can resurrect. Um, I, I just keep going back to this whole offseason and the whole goal of resurrecting Carson Wentz just being a, a monumental mistake. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Abdul in North Philly. What's up, Abdul? What's up, what's up uh, Kyle? How you doing today? Good. How you doing? Hey, listen, I was calling because I, I was sitting back just trying to listen and – the point that you're making is really not that much valid because in, in, that was 10 years ago in Denver. And you're telling me a person can't change. You really think that he didn't learn from his mistakes that he made when he was at, at Denver, that, he, he, that, that, he did, that he's not going to change, that he didn't adjust and make a change? And like the producer said, you're looking for every reason not to hire this guy. I mean, he I could. Yeah, no, I'm here, Abdul. I mean, he could have changed, but... I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know Josh McDaniels. I don't know if he had changed. I, I know he has worked with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for 10 years and probably thinks very highly of himself. I don't think that's changed. No, but at the end of the day, you've got to give him an opportunity. Like You're not going to know if he changed or not. You don't have to give him an opportunity. You can no, give no, somebody you, else you an opportunity. You could, but who else is going to I like I Eric B. Enemy. I like, that's the guy I would hire, and he's offensive coordinator. What does he do? What has he done that we know that he's done? What does he do? We don't know if he's calling plays or what he's doing or anything. We don't know nothing about that guy. I don't know nothing about him. Yeah, I mean, we know Andy's offensive coordinators have a good track record of becoming successful head coaches. Like, we know that. That that is a fact. I don't don't know. I'm just saying Josh and Danny can be a great motivator. We don't know that. And one more thing before I go. You talked to uh, Denver former players about Josh and Danny and how he was. You, it's two sides to a coin. coin. You got to talk to New England players that he's coached in New England and see what they say about Josh McDaniels. You understand what I'm saying? It's two sides to a coin. We can't, we can't just pick and choose who we talk to or get information from about people. 
No, that's, that's fair. That makes sense. No, that's fair, Abdul. I'm just saying the offensive coordinator and head coach are two very different jobs. Like, what guy, there are plenty of guys who can be good coordinators and bad head coaches. We've seen that throughout the history of football. That that's something that that's it's kind of regular, and that's kind of what I see Josh McDaniels as. He's a good offensive I'm, coordinator. I don't think he's going to be a good head coach. I'd love to be proven wrong, um, but I think hiring him and pairing him with Carson Wentz would be about as big a mistake this offseason as the Eagles could make. Well, I, I, as far as Carson Wentz go, I don't know what his problem is. He, you know, I don't, I don't dislike him. I like him because I know he's the talent is there. But somebody got to unlock his talent. We don't even know if we don't hire Jackson. That even if we get Eric the enemy, who says he's going to be able to do it? We don't know because this guy's erratic. We don't, you know, I don't understand what happened to him. And I really believe it was uh, Frank Wright leaving. And, and, uh, what's the guy with the uh, Buffalo? Uh, the other guy. Uh, when the Buffalo coach the Buffalo Sean, Sean McDermott? Yeah, them guys leaving. I think Sean McDermott was there with, when they was all together, right? Sean McDermott was there. But them guys leaving, I think they was behind the scenes and they was coaching Carson. Oh, Even okay. though Doug Peterson yeah. was the head coach, they was like, you know what I mean? They they put their stamp on it. Just like Bill Belichick. Like, I watch I watch tape and, and, and I watch stories like with him and Josh McDermott and how Bill Belichick is the coach and he got the final say. But he always gives Josh McDaniels opportunity to call when he want to call and do what he want to do. But he just make sure everything's in the road. That's that's what the coach does. He don't even call offensive plays or nothing. He let Josh McDaniels do that. We know for a fact that Josh McDaniels calls offensive plays. That he that he calls the offense. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, he he does. But I mean, when in the time he had Tom Brady there, I mean, I, and again, we don't know for a fact. But I, I don't I don't think it's a crazy leap to make that Tom Brady had a lot of impact over the offense and the plays that were being called. Right. We know we know, we know Tom Brady had the, the first call is probably the offensive coordinator, but then you know he'd make the final call. Right. I mean he's great he's the greatest quarterback ever played the game, so Right. You can't even put him in the realm of any other quarterback that like if he comes coach Carson is not gonna be like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's a different different situation as far as quarterback goes. So Right. That's, that's my point, and thanks for taking my call, man. Let me get back to work. No, I, I hear you, Abdul. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Yeah, and I mean, that that's the thing, and, and there's no way to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like, who had the most say, who had the most impact. But I, we know with veteran quarterbacks, and we, we, I mean, we've seen it with Carson. Doug talked about it. Uh, you know, the I heard the, the sound that Angelo played in the first segment yesterday in regards to – Carson or Doug talking about Carson in training camp be like, yeah, in his fifth year, we want him to have more say in the offense. We want him to be able to make more checks at the line. And obviously things spiraled out of control. But if they want Carson to have that kind of say in his fifth year, what kind of say do you think Tom Brady had over the last decade? In his, you know, second decade of his career? Like, I believe Tom Brady is the reason that offense was good, primarily. I think Tom Brady was more responsible for the Patriots' offensive success than Josh McDaniels. And I don't know, uh, you know, it, maybe, I, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, I doubt it, but I think Tom Brady probably had the, the bulk of the reason for the success. I mean, when Josh McDaniels wasn't there, the Patriots are still pretty damn good. They were 10-6, and 14-2, 13-3, and made a Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, I, I, they didn't seem to miss him all that much when he was gone. Um, Tom Brady doesn't seem to be missing him all that much this year down in Tampa Bay. 
Uh, and you look at the effect Tom Brady has when he leaves compared to when Josh McDaniels leaves. Josh McDaniels left New England. Patriots didn't miss a beat. Well, I don't think they've gone to a Super Bowl without him. Yeah, they did. In 2011, they did. He came back that December after he got fired from the Rams. He came back for the playoff run. Okay. Well, well it's, it's a fact. Like, well, okay. Well, Josh McDaniels is the reason they, they went to the Super Bowl that year. Okay. No, well, um, you're, you can't, like, you're kind of, like, misleading it by saying that they go to Super Bowls without him. Okay. Well, okay. He he came back for the playoffs. Congratulations. And they got to the Super Bowl. To him, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 Tom Brady is, is not a factor in that at all, I guess. Um, but look at Tom Brady down in Tampa this year. With the same coaching staff, same personnel, they go from seven and nine to an NFC championship game. Like Tom same Brady personnel. has a significant impact uh where he goes in Tampa Bay. They added very much three the Hall of Famers. They added Brady, Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown. How is it the same personnel? <laughs> Gronkowski's barely doing anything. Like, come on, stop. You're 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 you're, you're they, going way overboard with this. Gronkowski had one catch last week. Antonio Brown, what did he do last week in that game? Antonio Brown's uh, had like seven touchdown catches in the last like five in, weeks. In New Orleans, what did he do in that game last week? Like I, don't, I think he had one or two you're catches. You're arguing against the impact of Tom Brady. This is really the route no, no, no. you want to this is the hill you want to die on. Don't tell Tom me Brady's that they not this... that good. You said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the same personnel when they, like, look at the amount of players they added. <laughs> they have a lot of the same guys they had last year. Uh, you okay, think... and they added better guys, too. Okay, so you think they'd be in the NFC Championship game with James Winston. Okay. All right. That's fine. It's fine. What? I'm just saying, they were 7-9 and nine last year. They yeah. are 13. They, they are in the NFC Championship game this year. You don't think Tom Brady's a big part of why? Yeah, he's a factor of it. Yeah. A obviously. big factor. Obviously. Yeah, I just I don't understand why like the other stuff is like you're acting like it didn't the happen. Impact like, the impact on the defense a te- is better. The impact on a team when Tom Brady goes there, it was a massive positive. The impact on New England when Josh McDaniels left was pretty much non-existent. I mean, well, two thousand ten, two thousand ten, and two thousand eleven, they had a combined regular season record of twenty five and five. Mike, I mean, come on. Like, got got outclassed by Rex Ryan in a playoff game. Okay, okay. They they, they lost the playoff game. Um, Josh McDaniels just, is great. I mean, you're just looking for reasons to not like him. You're you're discrediting like the greatness of Tom Brady no, and not. giving the credit to Josh McDaniels. And no, I just they think it's everyone absurd. gets Belichick gets credit. He gets credit. The punter gets credit. The holder gets a degree of credit. Everyone gets credit. Tom but, Brady gets more credit than most of the other people. Yeah. What is that? Doesn't mean that like. Josh Daniels McDaniels is no longer a good coach. Like, there's did. no evidence to suggest he is without Tom Brady, Mike. There's well, none. Well, Tom Brady became a Hall of Fame quarterback under his watch. He won two Super Bowls before he worked with Josh McDaniels. McDaniels Josh was McDaniels there on the other defend- side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. So what? What does that have to do? So okay. So Carson Wentz had success in 2017. So let's give the defensive line coach credit for G- Carson Wentz's success in 2017. Like, no, stop. Well, no, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, no one's even saying that. Uh, what I'm saying is, Tom, <laughs> like, if you look at Tom Brady's growth as a quarterback, it's directly in line with, like, McDaniels and his coaching with him. And like, when Tom, McDaniels Tom, wasn't there, Brady didn't miss a beat. Wait, he stopped winning. He didn't stop winning. He stopped winning titles. Titles, that's all that matters. <laughs> they were 14-2 and two in 2010 without him. I mean, I, I just, we'll, we'll But we'll pick they didn't up. go anywhere, though. Okay, Mike. They, okay. they were one and done. In 2010, they were one and done. In 2011, okay, it was because Josh McDaniels was there. They went back to his Super Bowl. I don't know Josh, if it was only yeah, that. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. He wasn't even the offensive coordinator. 
Like he came back, he had some kind of auxiliary role within the offense. Like great. Yeah. Why does? Uh, what is like, like? Why are you bringing that up though? <laughs> what What do you What do you mean? Why, why am I bringing it up? Why are we honing in on when he came back in 2011? You're like, the one who brought it up. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that you know you mischaracterize it by saying that they don't go to Super Bowl. They they kept winning when he left. When they did, they did keep winning when he left. I don't Mike. think. I, did they, I don't think they've won a playoff game after he left. They they got bounced by the Ravens. They got bounced by the Jets. Okay, okay. Josh McDaniels is the reason they're they they were good. All right. Josh McDaniels is the reason Tom Brady was good. Even well, though the, obviously he's one the of the them. Patriots were terrible this year, and Tom Brady is still succeeding without Josh McDaniels. Is yeah. is that wrong? D- did Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay and they brainwashed everything he ever learned from him? No, but but why? Uh, we'll pick it up when we get back. But why? I just don't get why you think Josh McDaniels is the reason Tom Brady's a good quarterback. I didn't say he's the it's only insane. reason. It is insane. When did I say that? You're you're pretty much giving Josh McDaniels all the credit for Tom Brady's I development. I didn't say that. I said he gets a hand in it. That's all I've said. <laughs> a small hand, a small portion. I didn't quantify how big or small. I didn't say small. I just said he has a hand. You said Tom Brady doesn't win without Josh McDaniels. Well, that's a f- he's never appeared in a Super Bowl without Josh McDaniels. Yeah, and that that could change next week. We'll see. Could I doubt uh, it? But we'll see. Okay. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to join the show, do you agree with Mike that Josh McDaniels is the best quarterback in the or the best uh, coach in the history of the NFL? Um, because that's what I'm hearing tonight. It is another Kelly absurd. Tactic. It is just absurd. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll pick it up when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. Uh, next segment, we'll talk to Al for the overlap show. That was system of a down, right, Mike? The, the, in that in that return there? Uh, that was system of a down? But wasn't that Kid Rock? Oh, it was? Oh, okay. Uh, I thought I'd, I I figured I'd take a guess. No, um, I think it's the one that uh, you got wrong before, actually. Okay. I fi- oh, man. Uh, I figured I'd take a guess um, and uh, see. But another uh, take I've gotten wrong, a, a music a music opinion. Um, and not really an it's opinion. It's not really it's a just, take. It's yeah, just... it's just uh, uh, try, and try to identify the band, and I, I got it wrong. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in uh, in the last segment of the show here, time to squeeze in a few calls. Um, but some of the things we've been talking about, Throughout the course of the show tonight, uh, and we'll touch on some other topics we didn't get a chance to get into in further detail, but um, get to some of the things we've been talking about tonight. Um, uh, The Carson Wentz situation, the aspect of this that the Eagles, I don't think, are looking at enough, where you can view it as far as whether you can resurrect him on the field. I don't think that's possible, but maybe the Eagles see a scenario in which Carson Wentz can get back to being a a top quarterback in this league. Um, You can maybe sell yourself on that if you pair him with the right coach that maybe he can get back to playing at a high level. But I believe there has been irreparable harm done to his relationship with his teammates and his relationship in that locker room. And mainly uh, due to the fact that that the perception amongst a lot of guys within the Eagles locker room is going to be that he got the coach fired. And uh, regardless of what you think about Doug Peterson, as far as play calling, as far as offensive scheme, design, those kind of things. Uh, those are concerns that you know you could have, and based on the way this season went, um, I, I think they're legitimate. But the one thing about Doug that we know is he was a guy who players respected, players liked, players played hard for. If you bring Carson Wentz back in that locker room, And these players know that Carson Wentz, if he wasn't the sole reason Doug got fired, was a big part of the reason Doug got fired. Um, I don't think that's a relationship that you can that you can fix. I don't think that's a a, 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 the, the harm that's been done to those relationships and that chemistry, I don't think can be rebuilt. And that's something the Eagles really need to take a a longer look at and understand it's. It's more than just the money. This is a major decision that needs to be more than just about the financial commitment to Carson Wentz. And you got to do what's best for the entire football team, not what's best for one guy, not what's best for your salary cap situation. And what's best for the team is to move on, cut their losses, and... Um, you know, move in a different direction, use next year as a rebuilding year, and bring in a coach who can help bring that locker room back together. And Mike and I have been arguing all night about Josh McDaniels. I don't think Josh McDaniels is the guy to do that. Um, I don't think Josh McDaniels, based on his track record in Denver, is uh, you know, a good guy specifically for this job. You might look at 
the Carson Wentz aspect of it and think, okay, well, maybe this is a guy who can get Carson Wentz back to playing at a high level. I don't even agree with that part of it. But you look back at his time in Denver, these reports are really disturbing as far as the players, the relationship he had with his players, um, and the way that he treated players. I mean, you have... uh, players saying that that there's no coach they've ever respected less than Josh McDaniels. And I would be massively concerned about bringing somebody like that in to a situation like this where you already have a lot of guys in the locker room don't like the quarterback. He's going to be viewed as the quarterback's guy while there are a lot of players in that locker room who are upset the previous coach is gone because of the quarterback. And Could Josh McDaniels have changed personality-wise completely in the last 10 years? I guess it's possible, but I I don't think it's likely. And, I mean, considering what he did two years ago, that's not irrelevant in all this. Like, Josh McDaniels does not have a good reputation around the league based off what he did two years ago with Indianapolis. Like, that is something you don't do in the NFL. You don't take a job. You don't wait weeks. Um, because I believe he didn't let them know he wasn't taking it till after the Super Bowl. Patriots yeah, were in the yeah. Super Bowl that year. That's not something that that is, you know, looked upon favorably by people in the league. Um, and just that alone would tell me, you know, he really probably hasn't changed that much over the course of, 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 of time that he'd be willing to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, I would like to think in the, the entire – Eight hours, whatever they spent with him Sunday, they asked him, "Was it Andrew Luck or was it more to it? Like, what's? Why did you back out?" Yeah, I mean, I, but but just from the general like humanity standpoint of it, Josh McDaniels assembled a staff. Like he assembled an entire staff of coaches, guys who quit their other jobs, uprooted to go to Indianapolis, thought they had jobs, and then all of a sudden, Josh McDaniels pulls out. Like Frank Reich could have just said. Yeah, I'm not I'm not retaining these guys. I want to hire a new staff and those guys could have all been left without jobs. Like that could have happened. It's part of the NFL. You can lose your job pretty quickly. Like Mike Rowe yeah. probably Mike Rowe probably thought that uh he didn't have to uproot his life last year when he yeah, was told but, he was coming back. But when guys have jobs and they quit them to take other jobs and then Well he didn't quit because, to take another job. He 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 just didn't take it. Like, right, just, but 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 that's the thing, he hired a bunch of guys. To a job yeah. that ultimately yeah. he didn't end up taking and that they could have lost, but Frank Reich um, kept them around. So uh, I, I don't like the Josh McDaniels uh, you know, route. I think this has Chip Kelly 2.0 written over it. I think this is a guy who's going to come in. He's going to want a lot of control. He's going to want a lot of say. Um, I think for people who don't like Howie Roseman, they, they'd probably be rooting for this because I think this would be a similar situation to Howie in 2015 where his say would be dramatically decreased. I don't think he'd be shoved in the equipment closet, but I don't think Howie Rosen would have nearly the kind of say that he has now, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. I, I, don't, I don't think the Howie critics would want another good pick of a coaching hire on Howie's resume. That'd be two good, maybe even three good coaching hires on his resume. Yeah, I don't think this would be a good one, though. Um, I think this has disaster written all over it. And I hope the Eagles don't end up going this route, even though it appears they will. Um, And, hey, I mean, you look around, and they they might not have much of a choice. And this is another interesting aspect of it, too, because nobody else seems to want this job. Um, Brian Dayball from the Bills, isn't he's chosen not to interview. 
The Eagles wanted to interview him. He doesn't want to interview for the job. Maybe that's what McDaniel sees. Maybe McDaniel's burnt so many bridges with what he did in Indianapolis. Maybe he knows this is his last chance to get a job. No, it's not his last chance ever. I don't. I mean, maybe maybe he sees it. Maybe he realizes after this season. Well, I don't have Brady anymore. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be looked at as some offensive genius. I better get a job now while people still think I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, he, he considered the Browns last year too. Like, it's not like he. It's not like since ever since that Colts job, he's never considered changing jobs again. Yeah, um, but I, I think there's a lot. I mean, but you look at it, Mike. I, I think. What do you think of this? Because apparently, nobody else really wants this job, at least an offensive coach. Um, but, you know, Brian Dayball I think Staley would take it. it. You don't think? Um, yeah, well, yeah, Deuce, but Deuce isn't going to be a guy who's going to be, like, the offensive coordinator type. But anybody who has had a previous head coaching experience and a highly qualified candidate, they don't really seem to be all that interested in this job what do you think of McDaniels wanting to get out now, realizing, well, I don't have Brady to make me look good anymore? What do I think of that? Yeah, like do I don't, you, I don't. Do you, you don't think there's any? You don't think that's a factor in this at all? That McDaniels knows maybe he's not as good as people think he is, and now without Tom Brady, he realizes I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have that rate of <laughs> offensive in New England anymore. If you're asking me, do I think Josh McDaniels like all of a sudden views himself as an idiot? Like, no, I don't think that's what's going on. Here. I don't think he views himself as an idiot, but I think he probably realizes, and may, hey, maybe this is where he's matured over the last ten years. Um, that you know. Tom Brady was a big factor in his success. And that without Tom Brady, um, he can't just make everything work in New England. And uh, well, just just interesting, considering not a lot of people seem to be all that interested in this job, and he's one of the guys that is. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, if New England, it's a pretty bleak outlook of where they're ever going to get a quarterback anytime soon. Like, it's, you know, maybe they can get Mac Jones, but, like, if I were him, I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel pretty good about the quarterback situation in New England next year. No, I don't. I'm not a big Jarrett Stidham fan, but um, I wanted to get to this before we get out of here because we talk about quarterbacks and the situation evolving down in Houston is uh, kind of crazy right now with Deshaun Watson. There was some sort of rally for Deshaun Watson. Did you see this on on Monday? Like I saw he, tr- he tried to cancel it, but I don't know. It did still go off anyway? Yeah, I don't know what it was exactly. A rally to support Deshaun Watson because this situation <laughs> in Houston is odd. Deshaun well, Watson apparently wants out. To see the starting point, though, of the rally? No. So I, I didn't even know that. Deshaun Watson owns a cheesesteak joint in Houston called Lefties. Okay. And, which is, he's not lefty, but whatever. Um, they... To, to commence the rally, they all went and bought a cheesesteak before they started walking up to NRG Stadium. That's weird. Um, but they had this rally for Deshaun Watson, and uh, apparently there's a lot of weird stuff going on down in Houston. They hired this former Patriots team pastor as their GM, and uh, apparently he's not very popular. He might have issues um, in, in his past that... Uh, I, I think he does. I'm I'm not sure exactly. I don't want to speculate. Um, but uh, I guess I, I read it. Like, what do you mean issues? No, I thought there were. I thought there were. He had a, a controversial past or something. Maybe I'm wrong about that. He's, so, he's a little over aggressive with his. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, here is Ian Rappaport on the situation uh, with Deshaun Watson right now down in Houston. 
Yeah, it's no secret that Deshaun Watson is not happy with the Houston Texans. We've been talking about this for some time, ever since they did not include him in the search for the general manager and had not at that point included him in the search for the head coach. So as these rumors have percolated, as more and more people have talked about uh, what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson, teams have started calling, as you would expect, saying, hey, is this guy actually available? Could we actually trade for Deshaun Watson? Now, a couple things I want to say first that are important. First of all, the owner, Cal McNair, and no one inside the Texans organization has actually said they would trade Deshaun Watson. He has also not asked for a trade. However, that has not stopped teams from calling and it hasn't stopped people from speculating. And people have talked about potentially, let's say, the Jaguars or the Jets. Would that be a good spot? Or the Dolphins? What about that? I would also not discount the Carolina Panthers in this situation. They have the eighth pick, so obviously not as high as, say, uh, the Jets or the Dolphins, but that is also a team that needs very badly to solve its quarterback issues and an owner uh, who is not afraid to make big, bold moves as we try to figure out what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Are the Texans actually going to trade him? Teams are trying to find out, too, and they've started making phone calls. Now, if Deshaun Watson's available, as we we talked about, I, I mean... How many teams out of 32? Over 20 should be making that call. And New England would obviously be one of them as well. The Eagles should be one of them as well. I mean, unless you have an Aaron Rodgers, um, a Tom Brady, uh, you know, one of those guys, you should be um, inquiring about Deshaun Watson. Now, the problem with the Eagles uh, is, you know, I don't think they have the... um, the the draft assets to get this thing done. Like if you're Houston, you're looking for picks. I think you're looking for a way to rebuild your team. Um, the Eagles have a top pick, which is obviously um, you know something that you can use. But uh, the Eagles don't have a bevy of picks down the line that they have to give up. And and you know, I, I've heard people speculate. Could it? Be, could you throw Carson Wentz in a deal? No, they would not have any interest in Carson Wentz and that contract. Um, I think if Deshaun Watson goes anywhere, um, I think Miami's the most likely spot. Where uh, you know, obviously, there's uncertainty around Tua after this year. I mean, it's it's tough to give up on a guy after one season, but that's a team that if they have a, a top quarterback, I think they can contend next season. Um, for at least the divisional title. Hey, that maybe that's part of part of why McDaniel's wants to get out of there as well because that division's getting a lot better. Um, and you know if you're Houston, I think that can make a lot of sense. Um, Dolphins have Houston's pick. It's the third pick in the draft. Uh, maybe to Sean Watson for the third overall pick in Tua, uh, something like that. Um, I, I could see that happening, but I would put. Miami and the Jets probably in the driver's seat right now with the number two, number three pick, and uh, both those teams also having a a lot of draft assets. So um, they're probably the two most likely spots for Deshaun Watson, but um, certainly a lot of teams will look to get in on on that sweepstakes if he is available. Uh, That'll do it for the show tonight. Thank you to listening. Thank you to Mike Angelina for producing tonight and making the case 
for Josh McDaniels. Fun spirited debate throughout the course of the show. I feel like it wasn't really making it. It was just kind of cleaning up the loose ends you left out. Uh, well, I mean, you were giving McDaniels a lot of credit here. I mean, let's let's, yeah. let's be honest about it. And by the way, Alyssa tweets at me. She says, "I completely agree with Mike. Totally understand what Mike is saying. Is this is this a burner, Mike? Is this one of your burner accounts here?" Maybe do you have a burner account? Is that how you monitor Twitter? And you 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 are uh, Alyssa uh, at Smurfette four six eight zero. I could see that that is a burner. Of Look, it'd be too obvious if I went with my own gender. Yeah, <laughs> I could, I could, it would be funny if this was your burner account, but I don't think it is. Um, but thanks for producing. I'll be back Wednesday into Thursday where we will we will do our. Doug Peterson Appreciation Day show. Uh, That's coming up. Next up, we will talk to Al for the Overlap Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.